All right. Hello, everybody. Nice to see you all. Welcome back to Six on Six. It's been quite a while, about eight months, nine months or so. We could have had a baby in that time, by the way. Yeah, almost had a child. You and I. Fathers. Re rebirth. Fuck. Is it, is it too late to change it to say rebirth? I don't know. Okay. Um, you were somehow, you did not unmute. There we go. You're what? unmuted now. Rebirth. Oh. You're rebirth. unmuted now. For some reason, I pressed unmute and it did not mute you. Maybe it knows. Damn. They missed my idea. He wants to name it Rebirth because we could have had a baby yeah. in the time. Yes, you can hear Canadian. I know you can hear Canadian. They're like, no sound. I, final, I finally have a good mic and they can't hear me. He does. Sure, SM7B. In the room with the, the Pengu podcast. How was that, by the way? It was good. It was good. I call this room the Igloo now. The Igloo. The Igloo. Because he's a penguin. Yes. Yeah, we, re we renamed the, the rooms here. The bullpen turned into the pit. And this is the Igloo. Why did you... Why? We just wanted some rebranding. I don't know. We weren't feeling the bullpen anymore. The bullpen isn't the bullpen. If you're in the bullpen, you're not playing, right? Right. Like if you're a pitcher in the bullpen, you're out of the game. Yes. Yeah, we're in the game when we're in the bullpen, right? But are you playing in the pit? Now we're in the pit. Okay. Pit. I don't know. It just sounds grittier. In the pit. We're in the pit. Did you name it after that really mediocre barbecue restaurant that we ate at in Raleigh called The Pit? Is that what it was called? Yeah. It was pretty bad. The Hush Puppies were good. Everything else sucked. So many people were saying, oh, you have to go to The Pit. It's so good. You have to go to The Pit. I'm coming off of like, I'm coming off of like Texas barbecue. So we go to The Pit and it was fucking awful. It wasn't very good. It was really bad. All right. So there's a couple things. Like a Sorry, huge pit fan in the chat. I said there's probably like a huge pit fan in the chat. Any? Do we have any North Carolinians? Is that what you call yourselves, North Carolinians, North Carolinans, North Carolinas? I think is what they call themselves. Is that what they call themselves? I have no idea. But North as somebody who's gone to a number of southern states, I I don't know how you people live in North Carolina and eat barbecue. It's horrendous. Um, not my kind of sauce. Very. It's like, like vinegar mustardy, based, right? It was super runny. Yeah. Blech. Not my vibe. Not my vibe. Went to Texas. Great barbecue. Nashville. <clears throat> excellent barbecue. Really good chicken. All the Texans in chat are going to be like, huge W for us. Nobody, no cool. All right. Let's not waste too much time because we are on a new streamlined format, Troy. We are back. Yes. Uh, and in order to work with both of our schedules, a couple of things have changed. Number one, episodes are two hours. Hard stop. Mostly hard stop. Probably won't be. Um, for like the supersized pre-major episodes where the idea is to bring on a person from every single region, those ones might be like three hours or so and you might not be able to attend them because, you know, if you qualify, then you kind of, you might be a little busy. Um, but either way, those ones will be three hours. These ones are going to be two hours. We're not always going to have a guest on either. We had a guest lined up for this week, but we couldn't make it work. They are ideally going to be on in two weeks. It's the old... Team Empire roster. Uh, I think it was just a mix of our schedules didn't really align. And with a topic like that. Oh.
Great start. I don't know what happened. It just froze. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you. The return. We had a literal reboot in the middle of the show. The middle is... That's a stretch. I was like, we're going to do two hours. Troy was like, best I can do is 10 minutes. So, um, Empire was supposed to be on, by the way, uh, this week. Uh, Joystick, Dan, and Shepard. But because of my schedule and their schedule, and I think that how delicate that whole situation is, I think it's probably for the best that we wait a little bit more. Um, and since it's a reboot, rebirth. Andrew making new graphics. That's his rebirth. Um, that is just, we're just going to chat. So about two hours or so, the idea is to try to talk about four to five topics. No real more than that. Aiming at about 20 to 30 minutes per topic. And then if we end a little bit early, that's fine. If we talk about something else, you know, at the end, then that's also okay. Uh, and it's every other Saturday, not every Saturday, every other Saturday for people who are not aware. So that'll be, I think it's April 2nd will be the next show. And that's the one that's supposed to have the X empire team on it. So there you go. Anyway, oh. welcome back. Thank you. And welcome back to everyone else. We're back. We're back. We are back. Yeah. All right. So tell me about, uh, you said it was good. A man of, of little words. Uh, the, the Pengu podcast. Oh yeah. Well, I, I didn't want to go too long about it, but, um, I wanted to mention the igloo thing, I guess, but... You mentioned it. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it, it was kind of like a sudden thing. Like, I think we only knew about it, like, maybe a week before. Maybe a little more than that. But it was good. I think I think Nick will be a good host. Um, I think he needed... Like, it is his first time going into something like that, but, yeah, I think... Uh, I just... I like more podcasts being in scene i think it's a good idea i also really like the studio vibe that's something yeah. that's really cool right especially like everyone in nal lives in vegas we can bring guests on all the time i think uh there's a lot of potential with that so i think that would be really cool yeah i um i remember you and i actually talked about this um you know they're way back in the before times yeah uh, i thought, said you, sorry when we thought you'd be in Vegas. Yeah, exactly. In in 2020, yeah. by the way. I think this conversation yes. that we had was like, this was a like March. Ago. Yeah, it was like March 2020, which is basically a decade ago. Yeah. And said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to be moving to Vegas for NAL when it starts. At the time, I guess it was like the USD, US division. And I was mm -hmm. like, I, let's, I'm going to find a house in Vegas. Let's get a big house. Let's, let's set up one of the rooms and it'll be like you and I as a podcast room. And you're like, hell yeah, let's do that. And now... Things just obviously did not end up working out that way because now it's two years later and I'm still here. So yeah. uh, other people in chat are talking about Seth's podcast, which, which one? That man is a one man content machine at this point, not only doing his own podcasts, but also appearing on that Pengu podcast. Mm-hmm. And doing all of his videos and competing. I don't know how he's doing it. But... And winning, by the way. I don't know if you know this, but he won the NAL finals. I know. I'm aware. I uh, actually happened to lose to him in the finals. There you go. Thank you. That's what I was waiting for. Um, there you go. That's all I wanted. Um, if Super says it, it must be true. Whatever. He's, he's been doing like interview content stuff. And I mean, the, the one thing that I, I feel like we're really missing, and as I've been diving into other esports, I've been trying to like expand my tastes in esports. I've been watching like FGC content, league content, CSGO content. 
even Valorant stuff, the amount of like experts who will break things down and walk you through stuff. And then it's like, we had Reaper doing that. And then after like eight months, he's like, yeah, fuck you guys. And he left. Now we have nobody doing it other than super. So. Yeah. It's hard to do. I mean, I, I do think it's, it's, it's a good thing and it's needed, but for me, it's always been like finding the balance, but I do think you can, you can simplify things to where you're not like exposing something that you don't want to, you know, for your team's sake or anything like that. Um, cause I, it's an idea I've toyed with, but I don't know. I don't know if I'm quite cut out for the full-time content machine. You could be, I always enjoyed your streams. Be. I think I could be, but I don't think I find the same satisfaction from it. And that is the issue for me. That's true. And that's the other thing as well, right? Is it's like, you need somebody who's like relevant enough to know things. So super's perfect for mm -hmm. it. Cause he's in the scene, but then it's also a problem because you don't want somebody who's necessarily right in the thick of it. Because then, like you said, you want to, you know, obfuscate your own strats or you want to hide things. So you need somebody who might've been a former pro isn't currently actively competing, but still keeps up to date with it. And, you know, their knowledge doesn't fall off because eventually if you spend enough time out of like the actual cut and thrust, your knowledge is just naturally going to fall off because the game is going to change. Yep. Yeah. I think Reaper was a good example of it because he was a former analyst, swapped into it and he still kept up, but yeah. It's you, you have to keep on top of it. And I do think it becomes a bit more difficult to do that when you're not scrimming all the time, because yeah. I, I don't think it's as easy to keep up from just watching pro games because there's so much you're going to miss that happens in scrims. Because usually what happens in the pro game is from months of scrims leading up to it. Right. Also, just little things like yeah. roster swaps, who's trialing out on who. Weird pocket strats, et cetera, that happen in scrims, like you said, that don't show up outside of that. And one thing that casters and other games do that, you know, uh, Kix and I had talked about a couple times, and I'm sure, you know, Nick and I will have no problem doing this either, is sitting in on scrims. You know, it's not mm -hmm. uncommon in other games for casters to sit in on the scrims of other teams and watch like, oh, this is new. I'm ready for this, you know, something like that. But obviously you need, A, you need the casters to be like unbiased, neutral figures, but you also need the teams to trust that. And I know... Some teams in certain esports, like they stream their scrims in Rainbow Six. It's yes. like scrims are like this super closely, you know, held secret. So. I mean, understandably so. It's the same as in CS where it's like much more secret. Right. But I yeah. do. I wouldn't be surprised if some people have the opportunity to spectate in that game. I'm not sure, though. Um, I think that, that that could still be a thing, but I do think it's more down to who feels they can trust people enough, right? Um, but I do think it, it could be a thing in, uh, in Siege. I but mean, especially in NA. could not. Especially in NA when we've had issues with, like, VODs leaking and stuff. Yes. Yes. And I mean, I've heard, I've heard the same in other regions, just yeah. like strats leaking. Yeah, all that stuff. The group chats. The group chats. Those, the downfall those... of everything. And those Twitter group chats, man. Dangerous. They control the world. Really. All right. Nice little introduction for us now. Ten minutes. Uh, 
four topics that we are going to discuss today for those of you that are here, just letting you know ahead of time. Um, ideally, I'd like to maybe get like a part of the overlay at some point down the road where that like lists the topics. Um, the topics that we're going to be discussing today, the first one up is obviously going to be a recap of the Six Invitational. I know that it's been covered on other podcasts, but we're going to assume that you, the listener, you, the viewer, don't consume other content. And this is your first time hearing about it, so pretend it's new. Uh, number two, we're going to talk about, obviously, the one of the most salient moves and topics of conversation, which is obviously Empire dumpstering their whole roster. Uh, we can also briefly touch on other roster moves at the same time, if you want to do that, just very briefly, any teams that really stand out to you. Um, then we'll move into Demon Veil content. And then after that, we'll wrap up by talking about the NAL because that's what I cast and that's what you compete in. So those are the four topics for today. It's about, uh, it'll be about 25-ish minutes per topic. So if those of you are are wondering like when it's going to be, we're going to be changing topics at like half hour on the dot. So let's start with SI, uh, TSM, World Champions. When you went into the event, I know that you and I had a really wonderful interview, which unfortunately, a lot of it got cut. Um, but the one question I asked you was, who do you think you're going to win? I can't remember who you predicted, to be honest. I don't think I mean, it was TSM. I, I don't think I don't think I predicted anybody. Because I, I can't. While my team is still in the tournament, I can never like even conclude that somebody else is going to win. I'm not going to think it. I do. I maybe I mentioned who I thought like could be competing for it, and I probably mentioned a bunch of LATAM teams. Um. And I probably mentioned like Empire. Yep. And 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 also I probably also mentioned BDS because at the time I did not know about their situation. Which we still, for the record. Yes, but I didn't even know it existed. We still have no idea. No, we got wind of it as like was, we we got wind of it as got, talent like moments before it was announced. Yeah. Like the morning yeah. of, we get a message saying something like, uh, "BDS is going to be playing." Uh, with their coach today, uh, don't mention anything about it. Nope. How do you expect us to not mention anything about all of a sudden just their coach playing in the biggest event of the year? And then we get this message and I'm walking over from the hotel and I run into some players and they go, yo, did you hear what happened with Rafal? I was like, no, why? What? And they're like, he's got like all of his bags packed. He was getting in a cab. I was like, what the fuck? I, yeah, I didn't, honestly, I didn't know anything. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Like, I didn't even heard that. And then one I of the group, one of the group nothing. chats, one of the group chats was like, oh, he got caught smoking weed. So that is what I heard about. Yeah. But I heard it like a rumor from a group chat to another group chat to this group chat. And then I heard it just from like human Rob. centipede of like T3 NA players just like Quiet, I'm sure it like, started with T3 EU to yeah uh, there there's inner inner regional group chats I'm pretty sure man it's all over the fucking place yeah I don't yeah yeah we still don't know what happened and I I I don't know like I I don't know what it even could be because you would think by now it would have been released either by BDS or Ubisoft especially after yeah. like the whole team pretty much everybody on BDS was like one day you'll find out whether well, the truth will come out and it's like well we're waiting where is it all we got was like the vague bios tweet of like someone rolling a cigarette 
Well, no, he made a joke about... And it's like, this isn't weed. Yeah, he made a joke because apparently, like, the rumor that we had heard was, like, Rafael got caught, like, rolling, like, a cigarette, and somebody from, like, NA said that it was weed. And that's, like, what came out of the group chat. And I'm just sitting here being like, I, as a 31-year-old, having to talk about rumors from, like, a group chat about some guy, like, maybe rolling a cigarette and being eliminated from a competition is just so dumb. Like, my brain hurts. I don't know. I, yeah. I, Alem said it was like sabotage or something like that in his, in his, in his I, tweet. I just, I'm, I'm not even going to like try to guess what happened yeah. because yeah, like the tone of all these different things that I've heard is just like so different that I couldn't possibly tell you. We know it wasn't murder. <laughs> we do know that. We can rule that one out. Here we go. Rafael did not murder somebody. He did not. You heard it here first. Six on six exclusive. Um, obviously, people at BDS doing really, really well. They first team eliminated. How can you? Yeah. Do? I mean, Bios not obviously not a bad player, but I mean, no. Is he a? What What I noticed the most, more than anything, and again, like I don't even, I don't think Bios did a bad job filling in. Even when we played them, like they felt like they were on point. I think the biggest thing was that seemed like it, it was tilting the players understandably yeah. so that was the biggest thing like that is a team that hasn't really ever like shown that they emotionally tilt or anything like that and like you, you could even see like shiko getting frustrated which was like unheard of so i think yeah i think that was uh that was it more than anything i mean i think the most heated that we've ever seen them they were pretty flustered when they lost to what was it they lost to nip at si 2020 if I remember correctly, I think Nip eliminated um, them in yes, the lower yes, bracket. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Nip played TSM and eliminated them in the lower bracket and played you guys. Yeah. Um, and you won only because of the map advantage. Um, yes. Uh, map advantage. I think the only, uh, I think the only reason or the only time that we've seen like BDS actually get tilted was when they lost to Empire in Mexico. Remember they had like that consulate match where it was just like back and forth. And then in the very final round, Shaiko went for like a hero peak and got picked off immediately. And then I don't remember exactly. The only thing I remember vividly from that one is the Shepard tweeted the clip of it. The one where joystick went to the connector hatch and like went to kill the planner and killed the planner. But the Shaiko like from lobby one tapped him through the hatch. Yeah. And then joystick did the face palm. That clip is hilarious. That clip is so fucking funny. Absolutely incredible. No, but yeah. but afterwards, afterwards, BDS were super tilted because they go to the finals if they win that against Team One. I don't think anybody with the plot armor they had. I don't think anybody was beating Team One in the finals anyway. No, they had some fucking voodoo magic shit going on, man. Dude, that that Aztec death whistle that Monty had like no. worked reverse magic. It's like every single soul yes. that it collected went back out into Team One. They 100% sacrificed someone. Something happened. Yeah. Something happened. But not Rafael. Rafael tried to do that in Mexico or in, in Stockholm, but it didn't work. I don't know. Maybe, probably. That's, maybe it was murder. He probably did. He probably did. Maybe he it was murder. It. You heard it he here first. He wanted to do it at SI. Yeah. yeah, there you go. See? We go we back are, on our word. We're learning things today. Nobody actually just... Clarification. Nobody actually murdered anybody. Nobody. It's, it's like a voodoo doll. It's like fake. It's not real. Anyway, um, did TSM surprise you 
Let's start with the winners. Yes, they did. Um, although, honestly, in hindsight, I think that I shouldn't have been as surprised by it because at the end of the day, they have always performed internationally. The only time that they like actually, I would say, somewhat struggled at an international event was when Merck can play, right? Other than that, like, sure, they, they maybe struggled to get to the events, but that's not the same as struggling at the international events. So I think, honestly, in hindsight, on me for not realizing that and uh, kind of doubting them a bit more, I guess. But yeah, they, they showed up. Well, I mean, look at, I, I can't blame you. Because if you look at their, their run, so SI 2020, they make top four. Yep. Uh, obviously, we have no international events the rest of the year. Uh, they win. They won the one major, or they won the final major of the year, I think. Um, yep, they won U.S. Finals. Yeah, and then SI twenty twenty one major. They won November major and U.S. Finals. Yeah, yeah, they won. They won, they won the final major of the year. Yeah, and then NA Finals, which. Um, then SI twenty twenty one, they finished fourth again. They're the only non-Brazilian team in the final four. Uh, Mexico's first international major in, well, I guess technically yeah, SI what, happened, but yeah. Um, that was the one Merck couldn't go to. Merck couldn't go to. The team looked pretty good too. Prior to that, they were having some issues because uh, they that was right before they roll swapped, right with Geo and Chow. That was well. That was when Pojo was initially playing for Geo at the yeah. start of the season, and they did fine. Geo came back. Yeah, they, they, they did, did really fall. well I with Pojo. I think they actually were struggling more once Geo came back. Yeah. And like that can be understandable. Like he has, he hasn't been around for a bit. Um, and then yeah, then Merck couldn't play at the event, and then they did the roll swap. And honestly, now that I think about it, right, I think they probably even were doubting themselves for probably no good reason because for SI they went back to their normal roles. The only thing they really swapped was Merck started IGLing, but they're actually in-game roles were what they had always been, right? Yeah. Geo on Hardbridge, Chell on Flank Watch. I guess Merck, Merck was a bit more of a flex than like primary entry and Bolo was more on the primary entry. So that swapped a little, but they did go back to their main rules. And I think that was, that was a big piece of it. But yeah, I think they probably even realized that they might've jumped the gun on that. Um, and then didn't quite qualify for, what was it? Sweden Major. That was the season they had the role swap. They went back, made it through the quals, and had their SI run. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Merck being on IGL was a huge factor, too. It completely changed things up. Um, obviously, I haven't spoken to Merck. I don't know much about, like, his mental or, like, his thought process behind, like, how he's doing his IGL. But, I mean, the team's improvement after he switched to IGL was, like, immeasurable. It was incredible. And... I, I honestly think, and I know that he takes up a big part of the conversation all the time, but I think the person who impressed me the most was probably Bolo. He had had a statistically a, a much poorer year this year than he did before. A lot of people were saying, oh, well, you know, you took him off Zofia. Oh, you, you know, you nerfed his op. You made him play other roles, etc." And then at SI, he just, he Thank literally you. just developed to another level playing out of his mind. And I mean, you got to give Bolo credit for that, but then the question has to become how much of that is Merck IGLing as well? Because a good IGL can make you look like a million bucks if they know how to get the most out of you. 
I think the whole team honestly clicked though. I think Oh, absolutely. I would I would actually say in terms of individual players, I think Achieve probably had the most impact. I think he was just very consistent on his impact in rounds. I don't know. I'm not saying that Bolo was the best player. I'm saying that he impressed me the most because he had been quite quiet and then picked it up for SI. I see. I, see I think I think Achieved was their best player for the entire event. Yes. Most improved versus like best player. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and yeah, because Bolo had been struggling. Uh, yes. Leading up. Achieved has never really struggled. He's been very he's been very consistent. He's been always consistently good. Yeah, I, I think I think they were all clicking though. I think uh a big thing with Gio and Chala is like they were on point in the late rounds. They won a lot of really close late rounds with like it was usually a combination of like Gio Chala achieved. Yeah. In the late rounds and like they, they pulled back some some crazy some crazy late rounds, low number situations. Chala yeah. playing so well he's proven all the uh, appreciation posts on the subreddit, by the way. It's in time for a monthly Chala appreciation post on the subreddit. If you'd like to make it, yeah. go right ahead. Go piss off the mods. Go do it. Um, other than TSM, what other teams surprised you in good and bad ways? You can't say BDS. Good and bad ways. Yeah, if somebody um, shit the bed. Shit the bed. I don't know. I don't know if anyone did. Am I thinking? Hmm? I don't I know. Would put I don't team think one anyone in that category. really... I... I would put team one in the shit the bed category. There were a lot of people who had team one making like yeah. top eight, top eight, top six rounds. And they just did not do well. Nip also had a bad event. Um, those, yeah. are two that, those are two that hopped to mind. Sorry, Brazilian fans. I think more than anything, it was more teams got better and caught up and those teams stagnated a bit. NIP looked like the same NIP. It was just... I think other teams have caught up more. And same with Team 1. Um, I also think that the Mexico Major was that... Don't say it. Who, you, you know, you know. It was a fluke. I won't say it. No, I wasn't going to say it. I was going to say it was down to their fucking sacrificial blood magic. That's true. Yeah. The, the thing with Team 1 is that Team 1's always been a very good team with tons of potential, but more and more it honestly just looked like it, it, we talk about this in hockey, and for those of you that don't follow hockey, here's your here's your your you know your weekly hockey comparison, simile, whatever. It's like when a goalie in the playoffs just gets super hot, and it doesn't matter how good the team is; it's just mm. you're not winning. You're not. You yes. are just not winning. The goalie is going to win, win you the you game. Score? Sorry. How can you win if you can't score? Exactly, and it's like you'll look at some of these teams that are just they're shit. They're not even really good teams. They kind of limp into the playoffs, and then the goalie just decides, no, I'm going to win the Stanley Cup. And that's it. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. And then the next season, they, you know, regress to the mean. And they're back to being like a bubble team. They might not even make the playoffs. You know, like, how is this happening? School got hot. Yep. So, um, I think that's kind of the case with Team 1. Because then after that, obviously, they just really did not have a ton of success. They, what, they finished second in BR6 finals, was it? Or something like that? I think they finished, like, what? second in FaZe Clan BR6. Was it second? Oh, yeah, yeah, second? yeah. It was. FaZe yeah. and... No. BR six finals. No, because didn't Liquid win? Or is that is that a different one? I dude, I, think, I, I think Liquid I, won it and they beat NIP. But that but maybe is, it was maybe it was Copa one? then. Maybe it was Copa right after Mexico because I remember Team oh, One. I don't know which is which, man. Dude, Fuck. the amount of events and like finals they have in Latam is so it's it's challenging to keep on keep on top of. But 
Yes. I know Liquid beat NIP finals of one of them, and that was right after the Sweden major. It could have been. Whatever um, that was. It could have been uh it could have been right after Mexico. It could have been right before Sweden, but I thought Team One and I think it was FaZe were in the finals of some event after Team One and One oh, and there okay. was a it was what what's the one that leads up to the major? Like it's like the playoffs of the I think that's Copa Elite. Okay, so it was that. It was leading up to the Sweden major. Yeah. The playoffs of that, they lost a phase in the finals. And then the Sweden major happened. They got top eight. Yep. Our our group, uh, we were in that group and we sucked. Um, so our group was Mickey Mouse, freebie group for them. Okay. We sucked. The Mickey group. Um, and then they got they lost to Rogue in quarterfinals. Yeah, lost to Rogue in quarterfinals. Yeah. Got top eight, and then and then uh, was whatever the other one is. They're they're like yearly finals. They're BR6. equivalent of NA BR six finals. Okay, BR six. Yeah, and that liquid beat phase or nip. Liquid beat nip in the finals of that. There you go. Obviously, Team One went into that event by the way, knowing that they were going to implode as well. Yes, they all went in knowing. Alamo's going after this event. And then, you know, it also seems like people knew they were going their separate ways. So yeah. On top of that, yeah. wasn't Lagonas were supposed to retire? The, the rumor that I'd heard going into the event was that Alamo's leaving to go to G2 and Lagonas is retiring. And they knew that going into the event. So it's like. All I knew was Alamo was going. Yeah. I'd, I'd heard that. I'd heard that somebody was retiring and that the rumor was, was that it was Lagonas. I don't know if Lagonas has or hasn't retired. I have no idea. I haven't really kept up to date with it because I. I don't know. Because I saw. I mean, so I don't know much. I only know, like, I know as much as you guys, like, random rumors that I see. Yeah. Um, and I saw, like, a rumor that he, he had, like, some new team. Just he was the only one left. And yeah. then that the rest of the Team One core was rebuilding with Sexy Cake and Moringa, I think. But I don't even think any of that's been announced or confirmed. It was just, like, I saw, like, a rumor account or something. They, they dropped everybody but Lagonas. Okay. So it's it's the opposite. So when I said like, oh yeah, Lagonis is retiring. No, Lagonis is the only one sticking around. The rest out the airlock. Um, the team went to that OO Nation team, which is the one that I think is Sexy Cake and Moringa that you were talking about. I believe so. Yeah. Honestly, man, I, at not speaking Portuguese, yeah. it is so challenging to keep up to date with yeah. what goes on in Brazil. It's it's it it borders on impossible. I agree. So it is, it is difficult. I just wait for the announcements. Yeah. There, there's been some good leakers actually in the off season. Um, that, uh, there's one in, there's been one in Brazil and then there was the, 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 I think he's a UK guy that, that was like 10 out of 10. Oh yes. That guy was yes. like, he's just throwing yes. shit at the wall. I, dude, I was seeing shit and I was like, is that real? I'm, I'm then, reading these and I'm like, see for me. So my, our, our little group chat guy is Rob Pamba. And so I just go to him when I see some shit and I'm like, yo, Rob, is this true? And he's like, yeah, they said it in this group chat. I was like, oh, okay, guess it's true. This is literally the like group chat saw, human saw, that we talked about. Yeah. When I saw the, the Blast of Parabellum one, I was like, wait, what? Like, this guy's making shit up. Yeah. Nope. Nope. No. I, I, yeah, I don't get it. That's crazy. Uh, for the people asking yeah. in chat, by the way, I don't know if any of this shit's been announced. We're just talking about rumors. I don't really care if this stuff has been announced or not. Some orgs like to sit on their ass and wait weeks to announce things that have been like public. Oh, some are rumors, but yeah, yeah some, some are 
some are announced but like i mean like if we think they're rumors like we don't even know we can't even confirm them like like the sexy cake thing like i have no fucking idea i, I also just, i don't care rumor i also just don't care i'm at the point now where it's like if you're gonna sign somebody and be screaming with them for like weeks on end and not say a word then that's your fucking problem like not my problem you know like sorry my like i i take off my caster hat and i put on my scuffed podcast hat and i sit here like a podcast host and i'm like yeah we'll talk about rumors i don't give a shit i don't know so i see it uh wrapping up si your own performance dz's performance recap how you did i think we were a little inconsistent um like how we felt going into the event i don't think we started how we wanted and like through groups i think we were very hit or miss um and playoffs i think we showed up more uh and but we basically we fucked ourselves over in groups by putting ourselves in the lower bracket um and that was because of our inconsistent performance in groups um i do think we showed you know our kind of potential when we were playing well like our tsm match our second furia match that kind of stuff like when we were clicking we really showed what we were capable of we ended up getting a i'd say a result we could be happy with top eight i'd say pretty satisfied with that coming from the sweden major prior where we literally just got rolled over um so you know improvement but yeah, I think I do think we could have done better. I do think we started to realize uh, some things about ourselves and and how we need to play against certain teams. But yeah, we kind of shot ourselves in the foot in groups, and then got a matchup against Phase. And I mean, Phase is a tough team to beat. So get against them in lower losers bracket. What can you do? I think that was a it was a tough matchup for us, uh, map pool wise and play style wise. I think we'll be better prepared for it next time. But yeah, overall, though, I'd say pretty satisfied. I think, like I said, though, our group stage could have been better. And we'll do better next time. Final point before we move on. Yeah. What did you think of the group stage format? <laughs> so contrary to what I said, I, I've, I've only briefly spoken about it on Twitter. And it was because Alamo was very outspoken about it on Twitter. And I did not want, I was sick of seeing it throughout the event. Um, but I, I was not a fan of the, the scoring system. The, you get two points if you 2-1, uh, one point if you lose 2-1, three points if you 2-0, none. I, I didn't like that. I, I don't know what the ideal scoring system should be, but so what was a ridiculous situation for us was our last... Our last match of group stage against Furia. We were going into the last map. 1-1. One, one, we're going into the last map. And it was literally already decided that even if we won the last map, and we would end the group stage 3-1, if we won the last map, 1-2-1, one, one, we would end the group stage 3-1, but we were still locked into fourth place. We would have the winningest record in our group, but we would be in fourth place. We would have more wins than three teams that were ahead of us and obviously like i'm not gonna fucking say shit at the time because we put ourselves in the situation it's what it is we didn't even fucking win that match so can't even talk but i do think it was a ridiculous situation i do think that the situation with what was it group b the oxg mibr yeah navi team one that would like it kind of showed it right like 
teams that were winning more games. I will say, though, you go into the event, you know it. You don't fucking say shit at the time. It is what it is. You know how this, the format works. You play it out. You don't fucking say shit. But going forward, I would like a different scoring system, I think. I, I'm a believer that a win's a win, especially in a best of three. Um, I don't know if... I don't know what the biggest difference could be. Maybe... Wait. What did Ice Cold say? OT win should give you three points, just like regular win. Yeah. Well, OT, I'm, I'm taking you mean 2-1. But I think yeah. that... That could be the biggest difference. Even So even if you lose 2-1, you get one point. And then... You know, you lose 2-0, you get none. But if you win, you should get three. You shouldn't get punished for winning, I feel. I mean, I think you get punished for dropping the map, though. The, the, the conversation that came out, though, was that in two really evenly balanced teams, it should go to a third map. Yes. So you are, in a way, punished or like meeting expectations. Like if, if you've got two really well-balanced teams and they are both basically on the same level and they go to a third map, that's like, that's what's to be expected. You win your map, they win their map, you move forward. Um, I, I do wonder if you can fudge the system a bit where it's like, if you win their map, you get an extra point versus that, but then that starts to get really complicated. Um, I think at the end of the day though, right? Like the it'll still be involved in the tiebreaker. Like, you'll still get punished for losing a map if yeah. you tie against a team. But if you win more matches than another team, you should place higher than them, right? If, if I win three matches and lose one, I should place higher than a team that won two matches and lost two. Like, there was... There, I'm pretty sure there was a scenario where it was like... Oh, wait. No, I, there is a scenario where you could be tied. You could go three and one and be tied with a team that was one and three. If you went three and one and two won all your matches and lost 0-2, and the one and three team won 2-0 and then lost their other matches 1-2, you would be tied with them. To be fair, I didn't really think too much about the format because I'm not playing and I don't really care. I I yeah. I would like a, as fair a system as possible, but I took more umbrage with, as you pointed out, the people complaining after the fact. You know, like the two loudest complainers were, you know, Budega, former coach of MIBR and Ali Mao from team one, both teams that were, you know, disproportionately yeah. impacted by the rule system. And it's like, you went in knowing that this is the way it was. And now you're fucking whining about it because you didn't do well in it. You're not complaining about the point system because everybody else is playing under the same fucking point system. You're complaining because you don't like that you did poorly. It was like after a couple, uh, after their second matchup or something like that, Nip was like complaining that their computers weren't performing well. And it's like, you're all playing on the same fucking computers. Like, I get that it's annoying that you're having computer issues. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, that'd be frustrating too. Like, oh, well, you're only getting 200 frames. Guess what? So is everybody else playing on that machine. So it's like, I, I get that the circumstances are frustrating, but like, you're all handicapped together. So I just kind of sit here and I'm like, you just want to complain for the sake of complaining. You want to complain because you fucking lost. And you just can't like own the fact that it's like you came in and you knew the format and yet you got dumpstered on it. I'm sorry. That's just the way it works. Like, yeah, that'd be annoying for me, but you know how you, you know, how you fix that. You play better. That's it. I agree. So I agree. 
I do think they, like, again, I wasn't a fan of the format, and I do think it's valid to bring it up, but I I feel you should just wait until after the tournament. It's going to have the same impact. It's not like if you bring it up after the tournament's completed that no one's going to listen anymore. Yeah. It's not the case. I I do feel for the Brazilian teams, though, because they have talked many, many times in the past about what happens when they lose. Uh, I mean, Julio and Nip got eliminated and Julio like deactivated his like Instagram and Twitter account for like a day or two. And, you know, I've seen, I've seen in the past, like this is especially prevalent with like liquid fans is that like liquid will lose a match in like the quarters or like the semis or something. And their fans just brigade them. And you'll see tweets from like other teams and you'll see tweets from like Rafa, their manager basically saying like, don't send hateful messages to us for losing. And TSM fans, by the way, do the same fucking thing. Like TSM will lose a match and Merck will complain about getting like death threats and hostile DMs. And it's, it's what happens when you have like a really large, really passionate fan base is you almost have to like preemptively make excuses because if Nip gets blown out and their fans like revolt and they're like, Nip, you fucking suck, blah, blah, blah. But then Julio puts out a tweet like, it's because the computers sucked. Now the fans are no longer mad at you. Now the fans are mad at the computers. Like, so instead of the fans brigading like Julio and Muzi and Psycho and all them, now the fans are like, fuck those computers. And then that's what they get mad at. So it, it almost seems like Team One's disappointing performance by Ali Mao saying like, oh, it's, it's the format. All of a sudden, like the Brazilian fan base that supports Team One are like, yeah, it's the format's problem. We're not mad at Team One underperforming. Maybe. So if you make an excuse, it's like a lightning rod and all your fans just, they channel their energy at whatever that is instead of being mad at you. I will say it seemed like from, because like the way I responded to what Alamo was saying, it actually seemed like there were a lot of Brazilian fans that didn't agree with him. Nip are not a well-liked team in Brazil. Really? If you talk to like the Brazilian fans, it's like Team One, Phase, and Liquid are like really well liked. Nip, I, I don't know what it, Nip are like the Rogue of Latam when Rogue was in NA. I will say they, they, they're a quiet team, right? Like they're not, they're not yeah. very public. They just they play and they compete, and they're not, you know, they're not on social media a lot, stuff like that. Right? I'd, I'd say like the most active one on social media would be Muzi, but. He's literally quiet. Like, he's a quiet guy. Yeah. 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 I, the, the one, like, I remember talking to, uh, this was around, this was around SI 2020. There were obviously a couple of Brazilians in Montreal. Uh, and I talked to a couple of them one night before, I think it was right before the grand finals. And I was like, is Brazil fucking pumped that like nipper in the finals? And they're like, not really. It's like people don't really like people don't really like them. Like if it was phase, like yeah. If it was like liquid, like yeah. But like not. Then I get that. it's probably him. just because, yeah, they're they're less outgoing as a team, and they're a good team, so they're beating yeah these teams that other people are rooting for consistently. Yeah, even in, and sense. the other thing too is that like Nip fans and like phase liquid and like Team One fans, they all fucking hate each other because like. I don't want to get into this again. But like Liquid, FaZe, and Team One players have all called themselves world champions. 
at oh one point God. or another. Uh-huh. And the only LATAM players that are actual world champions are NIP. So like the fans, the fans fucking hate each other because every single time the conversation comes up and like team one or phase or liquid are like, we're world champs or blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, their fans are like, yeah, they're world champs. Then the NIP fans come out and they're like, no, they're not. And then people like lose their fucking minds. Anyway, yep. I don't want to get into this conversation again because Ciscat gets very angry every single time I do it. <laughs> I know he does. Dude, he gets furious. I know. He's world champion, man. My brain is just melting. Anyway, Ubisoft considers SI the world championship. That's it. I don't, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't fucking I matter. Agree. It doesn't matter. Ubisoft calls SI the world championship. Winners of SI are world champions. That's where it ends. People are like, well, how can you do that? Well, it's Ubisoft's game. It's Ubisoft's event. I and think they I think they kind of get to call what things are, you know? So yep. anyway. I agree. Next topic is our favorite Russian team, Empire. Did you yeah. know going into SI that there was any like any choppy waters, any rough seas? I had no idea. Absolutely no idea about that. Okay. I knew I knew that they had their COVID situation at the event, and then well, kind of hard not to when they, they were trapped in their room. Yeah, well, yeah, obviously, they were, and well, and they were actually, they were like a floor below us because you were on you were on my floor. Yes, right, and yeah. uh, they were like a floor below us. I don't know, so we knew, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and then See, they. I knew the when run. they told me that they had COVID. Oh. Oh, that's when I found out. Oh. Like you saw him and you're like, I have COVID. That's, that's yeah. Actually, Shepard came to my room and was like, I have COVID. And I was like, why are you here? And he's <laughs> like, you know, he's like super spreader. No. I mean, when we got the email that said that like these people uh, would not be like participating. Yeah. I was about to say, no, I'm not getting like, not getting like up close. I'd and, imagine. I'm not getting up close and personal with somebody. He's like, give me the vid. No, I would imagine. No, that we got that email, like the, the morning, whatever, before they announced it on, was it Twitter? They posted like the following players, like all tested positive for COVID. Yeah. And I saw that and I was like, what was the like, fuck? Yeah. <gasps> there was a lot, man. It was like five. And that was right after I'd been doing like in-person interviews for like almost two days straight feet away from them. A lot and, of the, a lot of the people that were though, like they were literally, they tested negative the day of when groups started. Yeah. Like it, it all, cause it was like Furia, OXG, Nip. Navi, Empire, Elevate. Yeah, and then might, Mighty else. Mighty from Nip. Oh, yeah, yeah, and Nip. Yeah. And then I think that was it. Yeah. and But I then, mean, which, but which then was... a bunch of them were back and fine literally the next day. Yeah, it was... Also, some of them were, like, false, false positives. Positive. So, for example, yeah. like, Doki. Oh, yeah, also Doki. Doki had had COVID, like, three weeks before. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know what it's like in Sweden, but here in Canada, it specifically says that like, if you've had COVID within like 90 to a hundred days or something like that, you do not need to get tested again because of a natural immunity, but also B because false positives will still pop up. Mm-hmm. So if you, I think the, I think it's actually like 120 days or something like that. You don't need to get like a, a return test to Canada if you've had COVID yeah. because they just assume like you have natural antibodies, whatever. And also you don't want to get a false positive, but it's yes. also it's also worth noting that the rapid tests are really ineffective. 
yeah like crazy and effective you know like i had i had friends that caught omicron back in like late december early january and it's like they got a pcr test and it came back positive after they got like two rapid tests the night before and that day that both came back negative so let's be trusted anywho empire you didn't know there was anything brewing in the background no and then they had their run and then shepherd tweeted at the end like that he was like he was insanely happy with the run and yeah. that no one really understood like how much was going on for them and i read that and i was like okay well i understand the covid situation but like that wouldn't warrant that tweet because it was like much more cryptic right like he could have just said with our covid situation you know i didn't expect to have this run but it was like there was more to it than that and yeah. that's when i was like okay what the fuck's going on here and then i started hearing rumors about the new Empire roster where it was only Scyther left and I was like, the fuck the fuck's going on? Which is funny because the rumor yeah. that I heard at the event was that Scyther was getting dropped after the event no matter what. So there was I remember <laughs> I remember somebody not affiliated with Team Empire. Somebody I think it was uh, I think it was an EU player where like, yeah, the team like half the team like hates each other, but they also just like they don't like playing with Scyther anymore. And I remember there was somebody who's not a player said to me, they're like always in Shepard being in their rooms, like not on stage, like with Scyther is like the best they've ever seen, like the team's spirits and happiness because like they are physically separated. And then uh, they all start playing on stage and it's like, you can tell like with that in like the back of my mind, you can kind of like see it when they're on stage together. And then I started to hear a rumor that no matter what happened at the event, they were dropping Scyther afterwards and they were going to pick up a new fifth. Which, if the reason for that was attitude issues, then, you know, like, that's great. You get somebody in who's got a better attitude. The team is already, you know, arguably second or third best team to ever play the game. You know, yep. Scyther's a great player, but if, if you know, you're having issues with his attitude and you bring in somebody who's better, the sky could be the limit for the team. And then after the event, I start hearing rumors, well, haha, Uno reverse card. It's actually not Scyther who's getting dropped. It's everybody else. Yes. And then, to top it all off, they don't even get a spot. Yeah. Or a team. Yeah. Which is, yeah. So, I, I mean, recapping, recapping what Joystick said on the stream was that basically the the org and the team could not come to terms. I think the sticking point was that the org wanted to get rid of the coach, Zeka, and they wanted to bring back in Razor GM. And the team had had issues with Razor in the past for like toxicity and Razor not being like as effective a coach. And they felt that Zeka was a much better addition to the team. And they thought that they were playing way better, blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, the org was like, no, fuck you. We don't care. We're making this move, which I don't know why the org would make that move, because I think that with Zeka, they were a much better team. I don't know if it was money. I didn't understand that either. Why do you want to bring Razor GM back in when the team is like very clear cut on not wanting to play with him or under his leadership rather? Yeah. Like, I don't. Well, also, just like literally their transition, right? They. I mean, they did well with Razor as a coach. Yeah. But then they started to decline. Then they brought Jekka in. 
yep. removed Razor, and then they actually started to do better because it was right around Mexico Major, I'm pretty sure, when it happened. And then yeah. they started playing better again. Yeah. So why, yeah, why would you want to go back to that? Like, clearly, clearly he's been effective. And wow. if the players are for it, then, yeah, I, I see I see no downside, but I I don't know. I mean, orgs make decisions all the time. I mean, like, we'll probably talk about it later on, like Mirage making a decision as well for the team mm -hmm. where an org steps in and says, like, this is what we're going to do. And there's there's heated debate over this. I'm of the opinion that if you like like in every single traditional sport, the general manager controls the team for better or for worse. Right. Like. You can't like the players running the team is noble, but is oftentimes at odds with the goals of the organization. Like, you know, Mirage isn't going to sit there and watch like a, a perennial eighth place team just continue to be one of the worst teams in the NAL and not eventually at some point say like, hey guys, like we want to win. And then like a player gets dropped and they're like, well, the team didn't want to drop me. And it's like at, at that one point, it's like you kind of have to ask the question, like if the team's not performing, when do you step in and make a change when the team refuses to do so? I do not think this is the same circumstance, by the way, uh, that happened with Empire, it seems like this was a, it seems like it was like a contractual slash financial dispute, which is, it's like, I'm sorry. I don't know how much money these four players are asking for. But like you give it to them. Like these guys are in constant competition, no matter who they are. This is like, they challenge, in my in my opinion, they challenge you and that old EG's continuum roster for second best team to ever play this game. And it's like, how do you just, how do you just like let them go? Yeah. And then you pick up this other roster. I just don't get it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you, that's a core of a team that you just, you wouldn't want to replace. Like yeah. clearly they know what the fuck they're doing, right? They consistently make deep runs of tournaments. They consistently make tournaments. Yeah. They don't just make tournaments, by the way. Every single tournament they're in, it's like teams openly talk about, like, we hope Empire goes out in groups because if they don't, they'll probably make the semis. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously the, the, the invasion of Ukraine by Russia is a factor too, and they talked about that where I, I can't remember if it was Joystick said on stream, like, there was interest but concerns over yeah. like sanctions and whether Russians could actually play uh, obviously is a, is a major concern, which. Yeah. I saw a tweet, I think about like Navi was going to replace the roster with them initially. Yeah. I mean, I, I hate to be this guy, but like Navi is a Ukrainian org. Yeah. Like there are like, there is like a national sense of like, with like a lot of these EU teams like oh, people yeah. will say you know like an Italian org wants an Italian roster like a French org wants a French roster you know like that's just it's kind of how it works so um, there were of course rumors that Gambit was also going to pick them up but now like Gambit yeah. might actually just be like fully closing I don't know if you've seen yep. like the CSGO like Valorant stuff that they have they have like one of the best Valorant teams in the world uh, they've got one a the really CS good CSGO too. team yeah and now it's like Gambit might just be fully closing so, um, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a shit situation and I, it's hard for me to not get angry because I don't like, I don't like teams. I like players, but I like the players on empire and 
I always find it exciting to cast Empire games. And I think that like the core of that team deserves so much fucking better than they got. Like what a despicable yes. move by by the org. I mean, I hate to say it, people are like, well, what if the players wanted to play hardball? Blah blah blah. Who gives a fuck? Like, you think like Penta and G like you think like Penta and G2 didn't bend over backwards for that roster? You didn't think EG did the same for you guys? Like you got a great team, you, you pay them. Yep. So it goes. Yep. I don't know. There's not there's not a lot to say about the situation, but definitely they they deserve they deserve to be competing. Yep. It's oh. just it doesn't feel right. Like, the the thing that irritates me from like a historian perspective as well is that every time we reference Empire now moving forward, the org is gonna get the credit for that when they don't fucking deserve it. You know, like we're gonna talk about like, oh, Team Empire. We're gonna talk about, oh, you know, the the Empire G2 match. We're gonna talk about like Empire BDS. We're gonna talk about like Empire's run at SIs and blah blah blah. And yeah, then like the org is tied to yeah. the history of that core. Like they literally replaced, yeah, they're what got them all their all their accomplishments in the game. Yep. Yeah. This is this has happened before though. I'm trying to think of I think it was Call of Duty a couple years back. You had a couple of these really shit fucking fly by night orgs. Um yeah. I'm I denial, I think, was one of them, and then I think another was like Midnight GG or something like that. They literally like they picked up a roster that the roster got the spot, just like old uh, Rainbow Six Pro League did. When like I think the noble did that too in COD, could have been. I think I just I I don't remember all of them, but I remember that the the players got the spot, and then the org like stepped in and bought the players, and then literally sold all the players and just kept the spot. Yes, yes. Trash bag fucking orgs, you know, like absolute fucking trash bag orgs. And I it, will say that those situations. I mean, that still that's fucking bad, but that situation still wasn't even as bad as the like empire yeah. literally got fucking second place in the world for the record last three events second place at mexico grouped at sweden second place at si did they get grouped in sweden yep i thought they made playoffs no i'm pretty sure they got grouped i'm like 99 percent certain they got grouped in in sweden I sweden major played oh i don't know what i'm thinking yeah, for some reason, no, no, no. and they yeah. got grouped. They got grouped in Sweden because that was part of like their oh, yeah, story. Yeah. That was part of their storyline at SI was like we we finished so well in Mexico and then we got fucking embarrassed in Sweden. Yeah, like who would even get grouped in Sweden? Good question. No, only shitters. Exactly. Only shitters. Top eight at SI though. That's what matters. Um, this is true. We got I, we got embarrassed in Sweden, and then we got slight Sweden redemption. Yeah, I. The other thing that people need to recognize, by the way, is that while Empire brands itself as Russian, the org is based in Estonia. I think was said. I think their manager said that. Uh the org yeah, itself is in Estonia. I don't know if the org is Russian, but I know that they're not based out of Russia. So I don't. The whole like ownership of. Like orgs is very interesting because VP came out. I don't know if you saw the Virtus Pro announcement where they're like they're getting canceled because of the sanctions that like ESL put on them. But then apparently like some journalist dug in and one of the owners of Virtus Pro is like some Russian oligarch who got sanctioned by the US. So it's like mm -hmm. you're getting canceled. <laughs> Imagine 
I didn't see, <laughs> I didn't see v VP's tweet about that, but dude, imagine they're like, imagine using cancel culture like as a shield in like war. I know we're being canceled in war. Like, can you imagine? Can you imagine like the powers who be in World War II being like the United States and the Allies are trying to cancel us? <laughs> Cancel culture! I, it's coming for you! Like, how... This is too much. Dude, how how morally bankrupt do you need to be to invoke the specter of cancel culture because of a war? Like, I just... Oh, my God. Anyway. I did, I did not see that from the... Oh, it made my brain hurt! Anyway. Um... Anyway, like, like I said, that was... They came out and they said that. I have no idea the specifics of it. I don't really care. Um, but I thought that the, the post was very funny because they're like, we're being canceled. And it's like, you know, that's not what it is. Anyway, no. um, it's not what it is. It was a bit of a bummer because I did want like Empire, that core of Empire, Joystick Dan Shepard were supposed to be on the show today, but obviously things didn't really work out. So we're going to try and bring them on on the 2nd uh, of April, which is our next show. Um, just remind everybody here in case you're not following along. This is not a weekly show anymore. It's bi-monthly. I always get confused with that. Bi-monthly mean once every every month or twice twice a month, or does it mean every two months? Or is it one of those weird? Question. It's one of those weird things where it's like it means both. It, yeah, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be bi-weekly? Bi-weekly does that mean it's twice a week? Yeah, I know. See, everything it means both. Do a, do a little. Do a, oh, it means both. It means both. Oh yeah, it's every just, other week. Let's just put it that two way. Two weeks or twice a week. So we are bi-monthly and bi-weekly. You know that, but if, we are also not bi 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 monthly or bi weekly. It's quite the situation. Jesus, uh, everybody in chat is enjoying this. For those that aren't aware, a two week period is called a fortnight. So technically, we our show is once a fortnight. I hate That's that. That's what we settle on. I hate that. That's what we settle on. I hate that. We are not bi-monthly or bi-weekly. We are once we a are fortnight. Once a fortnight, yes. We have to pivot our content now. We love Fortnite. Anything more to say about yeah. Empire, by the way? I don't think there's anything more to talk about. They've talked about it a ton. Other than yeah, the fact that I we're mean, both in agreement that it was a stupid fucking move. but Yeah, there's, there, there's not a ton to say, but... We we do have to say that it was fucking yeah. shitty, garbage, bullshit, thumbs down. Players deserve better. Yeah. You just say that, like, and I that's agree. that's not even an empire thing. That's a lot of esports things. Like the players deserve so much fucking better. And a lot of e these esports orgs that are out there just like that was wow. That's for the farters in the chat. That was a wet one. Yeah, of course it's gonna get clipped. You just want to do content. Uh, next topic is Demon Veil. Came out on Tuesday. How much have you played it? Um. Well, so I, I haven't played any of the ranked, but I've played plenty in custom games. Lost Grims, two a days, six and. maps a day. Give me your thoughts. Let's start on the first one. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Let's start I mean, the, the, let's the start big... With the, the... Go ahead. I was going to say, Go let's ahead. start with the least controversial topic, attacker repick. I was going to say, that that's basically the 
only i mean it's not the only change i've messed with but like that's the big one that i've i've really encountered and i'm actually pleasantly surprised because i was not a fan when i heard about the announcement i made a tweet about it when i heard about the announcement i was very skeptical and it's just it's not as bad as i thought and the upsides are better than i thought uh things play a lot faster you know map, maps just go by quicker pick your ops it's all done all, all the repicking is done in prep phase so no added time and i don't know just for attack things feel smoother because you obviously have optimized lineups i do think that can be a problem in the future because i think once teams are familiar with what the best lineups are on every single site then it'll probably get out of control but I do think it'll take time to get there. I do think it'll get time, take time for teams to find all those lineups and, you know, like nail it all down and, and get really set for it. So I think that can be a problem in the long term. And the fact that defenders don't really have any counterplay to it can be a problem in the long term. But I think in the meantime, it is a good, uh, good shift in pace, good change. I enjoy it. To back up what you're saying, the stats that came out for the first couple play days of APAC was that the attackers have not seen like a significant bump in win rate. No, it won't be for a bit. Yeah, exactly. So maybe at some point, you know, it, it gets optimized better. But for the time being, yeah. it, it definitely gives an upper hand to the attack in certain circumstances. I think people are also forgetting that there's only ever been one single season of Pro League in the last four and a half years that has been statistically attacker sided, and that was the lion meta. Every other season, defenders have the advantage every single time. So, yeah. you know, even if even if we have to suffer through, and I say suffer because the lion meta and the glass and ying meta were both in, in often cases uh, insufferable. Um, mm -hmm. Even if we have like a season or two of where the attackers have an advantage. At least it's, 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 it's spice, right? Like it changes things up. How many times in the broadcast do you hear? Well, you probably don't because you likely watch it muted. But for everybody else, how many times do they hear the casters say like, yeah, you know, a 4-2 scoreline for the defense is exactly what you expect. This is a defender-sided map. It, if I took a drink of alcohol every single time I said that, I would be dead within one show. So it's just, it's allowing the attackers to kind of customize and optimize their lineup i think is very nice i do agree with you i'm not a pro player i don't have the insight that you have nowhere close but i can also see how it will become a problem once people figure it out you know and, and yep. maximize it like min max it the question that i have to propose for you is do you think that it will provide more flexibility in regards to what you can bring because on certain maps you know it's the roles are baked in clubhouse is always the map 100%. that i go to you know, on Clubhouse, you need like two soft breachers, two hard breachers, and then you have your flex pick, which teams will change up. Sometimes people bring three hard breachers for, you know, yep. argument's sake. Do you think that seeing what the defense has with the tagger repick opens the door for more Monty plays, more Glass plays, more Ying plays, etc.? A hundred percent. I think the the biggest issue with some of those operators before, or like even even Nomad on, like, some maps, right? Because there's some maps where, like, Nomad's really good on one site, right? But she, you can't afford to bring her on the other sites. Yeah. But now you can because you know what the site is. I do think more often than not, you're not going to find, like, you're not going to find the defender's entire lineup and their entire setup. You're not going to know. Like, you, 
in prep phase, it is very difficult to drone and figure out all five of the operators, figure out the entire setup, right? Like, mm-hmm. You're not going to guarantee that the other team doesn't have a Cade, right? Like that, that was something that's mentioned like, oh, they don't have Cade, you don't have to bring Mav. You can't really guarantee that they don't have a Cade, right? Like, yeah. I could pick Cade and hide in a fucking corner and you're not going to know, right? Go ahead, pick off Mav, good luck, right? Uh, I think, and I do think that even gives some counterplay for, for defenders then, I guess, like to hide an operator if teams are going to cheat that much with it, but like you shouldn't because be realistic, you're not going to find out all the ops. But you will find out the site. And that's what will allow for better lineups that are just strong for that specific site and the type of take you want to do for that site. Right. We don't need a Cabotow because it's this site. We don't need a Nomad because it's this site, et cetera. Exactly. Some sites you don't need hard breach and you can you can just not run hard breach. Right. Um yep. I do think, yes, with time, it'll get explored more. You'll get stronger and stronger attacker lineups. Teams will get more comfortable with it, and it will become a bit oppressive, especially on some bomb sites. I don't think there will still be some bomb sites where it isn't. There will still be some bomb sites that are just really good to defend, and like there's not that much you can do about it. But I, I think overall it's a good change. Um, but yes, I do think there there could be some long term downside. I think something that uh, actually in the Penguin podcast the other week we mentioned was that when attacker repick was first thought of, the meta was significantly more defender sided than it was now. And that's just because of how things progressed, right? Like, well, my got nerfed, Jaeger got nerfed, and teams just got better and better at attacking on these, on these maps. And I do think the best teams have only gotten better and better at attacking. So I do think it, it could get a bit scary, but. I think we have some time. I don't think we're like in a state of panic yet. Like, and also, things change in this game constantly. Like, Ubisoft is going to change the meta again, not too far down the road. They don't leave things forever. Right. Like that, that's very evident. Like we we all know that they do change things. So, I just I don't think there's that much to be concerned about. How do you fix it if it ends up becoming a problem? Do you limit the time that people can change? Like, say, for example, you know, if there's 10, 15 seconds left in prep phase, you can't change anymore. Do you think there's a way around it? Or how do you rein it in if it becomes too much of a problem? I think it, you'd have to limit to how many people can repick. Okay. Maybe limit it to two. So like a, like a five operator lineup, there'd be like maybe like one more person could pick, like a sixth pick? Yeah. Basically. Yeah, but like a six pick. You just, yeah. But but you but you incorporate it in the same way. You don't do go back to the old six pick, right? Um also maybe I th- I think what would help is giving the defenders some sort of counter I don't know what it could be, but one of the big things is that defenders they lost the reveal phase, right? Yeah. So attackers they got this repick feature. They still they don't have reveal phase quite, but prep phase, you know, has a bit more meaning for attackers now. Defenders didn't really get anything. So maybe give defenders a little something. I don't know whether that is a reveal. I mean, maybe maybe if you swap your operator, it is automatically ID'd. Right? I, like, I've, I've argued since the beginning that the operator lineups just in general should just be auto-revealed, period. And I know that that I know that there there are a lot of people who don't like that, and I get it. 
and obviously maybe you can you can tweak it at some point but i've i've always been a big fan of just like reveal like yeah you lose like a little bit of the spiciness but i mean it, i argued it for the sake of speeding up the game because we have way too much downtime for like the average yeah. viewer and i thought you know get rid of get rid of the six pick just keep reveal phase and just go in yeah i mean they got rid of both though so i True. think it's okay yeah i think i think let's say you limit you limit repicking to two ops like two 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 operators can repick okay and if you do repick then it shows which operator you selected i think that could be a good sweet spot it's hard to say I, the point of attacker but, repick though was to try to boost the win rate of attackers, right? So there's I know. So the thing is, is that we and we, it still would. True, but then you turn around and it's like, okay, well we're gonna we're gonna show what they've flex picked to surprise. Doesn't that kind of yeah kind of remove the purpose? Well, not entirely though, because the defenders can't repick. The defenders don't have time to change their entire setup. All they can True. do is change how they play the setup, which I think is fair, right? Mm. I think I think that's fair enough for the defenders, maybe. It's not going to show the entire lineup. It's going to show two ops, maybe, right? Right. And then maybe there's a bit more incentive to not repick, right? Maybe you just had a crazy lineup in the first place and you don't even repick it. I don't know. I think, I think it could have... Some interesting play. I again, it's hard to find a sweet spot with it. I just think that defenders need some sort of, just like a small, small thing to play with because attackers just have so much control. I feel like going into the round. What would you do? Or sorry, what do you think this is going to do for teams that don't drone? Because lots of pro teams they find out the site, and then their five drones just get scattered and and just hit. Right. They're not, they don't do any, they, a lot of teams don't do a ton of like immediate discovery. They'll hold their drones for the prep phase. And you see these teams when it's like, there's like 90 seconds off the clock and teams still have eight drones left. How much more of a reliance do you think there's going to be now on effectively droning out the bomb site? Cause you mentioned that earlier, you're not, you're not going to see everybody. You're not going to reveal yeah. every single defender, but how much more of a reliance do you think teams are going to need on better droning in the prep phase? And how many drones might end up getting sacrificed that are, really crucial for mid to late round. I don't think you necessarily have to sacrifice drones. I actually think it's good enough if you just find the bomb site and that's it. Okay. I don't think you have to risk to find out more. If you want to, I think that can be a choice that a team makes, right? If they want to get greedy with their drones and, and find out more, by all means. I don't think it's probably, I probably don't think it's worth it. I think you're good enough finding out the bomb site and knowing what kind of lineup you like for that bomb site. Okay. Because this is one thing that I think always gets passed by like the casual community. And it's, it's very hard for us as well because as casters, because we don't often see the drones. Like when we're, when we're spectating like the later portion of like the prep phase, et cetera, it's always on the defenders. It's always where are they putting mm -hmm. rotates? Where are they setting up traps? Where are they barricading? How are they reinforcing? Yada, yada, yada. We're almost never watching where the drones go. It's not exciting, and I, I just, you know, the defense and the setup is, is often more important. So that's why your insight is particularly think, valuable here. I do think it's actually pretty crucial to look at the drones in the prep phase because teams are going for pre-place on rooms that they want to control. So usually if a drone is pre-placed in a room, 
it just shows that the team values the control of that room. Either they want to enter it early or they want to have info on it throughout the round. Right. And that's usually what teams will do. I mean, they're probably, maybe their hard breach will, will keep their drone safe for sure or something like that, right? A couple players might. But there's usually at least three players, oftentimes more, that are going for, for a pre-placed in, in a certain room. And I do think it can be indicative of what they kind of want to go for. That's one thing that Nick and I have been focusing a lot on more on our casting is the idea of intel. Because you don't talk about it a ton. You know, what on defense are you bringing? Valk is, is basically perma-banned at this point. Are, you know, are they bringing bulletproof cameras? If so, how many? Is Mira in play? Are they bringing that? Are they bringing intel operators who, who are not traditional input intel operators, but like Aruni or Capkin or Legion who provide information based on where their gadget is? and their gadget being destroyed, that still provides intel for your team. And during SI, one thing that Nick like consciously did was, I want to look at how many drones are remaining, you know, with what time. Because, you know, if it's a 3v3 and there's 40 seconds remaining and there's still five drones, you know, in play, you have time to drone things out. But if you don't use that and you keep a look and it's like all three of those attackers die and they still have all five drones, why in a 3v3 with 40 seconds left did they not use that drone? So then dive into that too. So... I, I think that looking at that is, is an interesting topic. Anything more to add, by the way, about about attacker repick? Because we still have still have more to go on this topic. Um, nothing really is. Just I guess I want to reiterate again that I don't think it's an issue at the moment. I do think long term it could be, and there will probably be need need to be a change in some sort. And like what I mentioned, I do think that could be good. Down. I don't think that's necessary whatsoever right now, though. From what I've seen, I don't see people like completely abusing repick. Um, I mean, they definitely are on some sites, but the, I've seen plenty of teams that don't even seem like they use it that often. They might change one operator, um, but I, I do think it 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 promotes a different kind of skill set and approach to attacking. Not to necessarily like, not necessarily say that it's like the more skillful or well-rounded way of attacking, but it's just a different approach to attack. Yeah. And you just have to figure that out. I tweeted the other day that it is such like a fundamental change to the game that like, let's wait a little bit, you know, like an operator coming in like Lion, that, you know, proposed blitz change where he was like a three-speed, like unstoppable freight train. Like those things, you, you know, by playing them like a couple times, like, this needs to be fixed right away. Yep. You know, there's egregious shit that gets added and it doesn't matter your skill set. You look at it and you're like, this is too much, but it's attacker repick. It just completely changes the flow. And I, you know, I, there've been a couple tweets about how it, like it hurts in ranked. And to be fair, I haven't played a ranked game yet this season, but there are countless times where I will play ranked and I'm right by the last season I played at like a high gold, low plat level. And even at that level, you know, we were getting lineups on like cafe that were like buck IQ fuse. And I'm just like, what the fuck is this lineup? Like we need a more optimal route. Oh shit. Somebody forgot a Thatcher. Oh shit. Somebody forgot a Maverick. Oh shit. You know, we need a second hard breach. Now with attacker repick, it seems like it would make ranked easier because you can say like, oh, fuck, you know, like I picked, there have been times where I pick a Thatcher and then nobody on my team picks a hard breacher. Mm -hmm. So now I can just go and pick and say, you know, I'll just bring a Maverick then. You know what? We've got a buck, yep. we got a sledge. I'm going to play Maverick then. Or I yep. can say to somebody, hey, 
I picked Thatcher. Do you mind switching to Hibana? Could you play Thermite? It seems like it seems like it would be better for ranked, which is why I'm kind of surprised by a couple of the takes I saw on Twitter that were saying, you know, oh, it's making ranked like unplayable. If anything, I think that this would clear it up. Your team is no longer locked in to the bonehead compositions that you tend to see in ranked that I'm sure probably get worse the lower down you go. Yeah, I, I think I think more than anything, people just probably aren't used to using it well. They're not they're yeah. not used to droning the right way in prep phase to make sure that they can, you know, decide what they want to use. Cause like I there's a lot of people that in prep phase, at least at lower ranks, they literally drive their drone in and die and get on their phone for the rest of the prep phase or literally just sit outside the map and don't do anything for all the prep phase. Like prep phase fucking matters now in ranked. Yeah. It does. I and, even at my level, most of prep phase I would I would wait because a lot of the bomb sites are visible from the outside on certain maps. You don't need to go too far into the building. You hear the sound. Okay, it's basement on Oregon. Okay, it's kitchen on cafe. And then I save my drone. But I'll look around and I'll see three teammates. They drive their drone in. They scan the operators. The drone gets shot. And you're like, why are you wasting your drone? The most powerful ability in the game is your drone. Use it. Like yep. if, if you drone somebody in, like a Zofia or somebody who's got like flashbangs or grenades and they don't have a Jaeger or Omai on the board, a drone and one grenade is like a guaranteed kill in like bronze to like plat. But people just don't do that. I agree. And we need to like onboard them to the point where it's like if I'm droning you in and giving you like site specific callouts, like, hey, there's somebody right here. That's a free kill as long yep. as you don't whiff. But then people don't realize the value of their drones. They drive their drones and drones get shot. And it's like, why well, didn't know? You know, I just entered the map on the third floor. If only you were given two gadgets that allowed you to discover if somebody was waiting for you when you entered the building. Yeah. And now there's just, there's more impact on the drones now because yep. yeah, now you can use it well in preface and you can, you can change your lineup. You can change, well, you can just change your up. But I do think there's probably going to be more emphasis on communicating in prep phase, which it was literally, it didn't fucking matter before. I mean, it doesn't even happen in plot site. It just does not. Right? People just don't communicate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But now you can say, oh, it's this bomb site. Can we get uh, this on this site, right? Like, yeah. Uh, I, I just think that it's the transition of where, where, where you uh, kind of focus, like, as opposed to focusing during off select, you just focus during reveal or during prep phase. I, I hope that people of all levels learn from this. I am not optimistic because I still see people at high gold, low plat level reinforcing between sites. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I, I think that there's lots of potential here for attacker repick. We have a couple more minutes before we move off the topic. So let's move over to the operator, Zami. I have no idea how to pronounce her name, by the way. I think it's a Zami. Think so. Uh I don't know. Incredible operator. Um you think she's gonna be a nightmare? Um uh, I think she'll be very good. I d I don't know about a nightmare. Like Lion uh, release Lion was a nightmare, right? But I don't know. I I don't see too many operators as a nightmare. I mean maybe like release Wamai was like a nightmare for me. Um yeah, I don't think she'll be a nightmare. I actually, I think she'll be a good addition. I think she'll be very good, but I do think she'll have a skill gap. 
and I think she'll be really fun to play with on, on defense. And maybe she'll be a bit annoying on attack, but I think you're just going to have to start kind of reading into it a little bit and being prepared for what Nezami is capable of doing. It seems like there's an abundance of explosives being brought all the time as well. There was like three yes. to four sets of nades at SI. Like full yes. attacker lineups. We saw time yeah. and time again. Six nades, eight nades. Maybe you won't throw them bangs. through the floor anymore. Yeah. Maybe you'll throw them at Nezami, whatever they're called. Yeah. What are they called? Do you know? I, I don't know what the name of the ability is, okay. but I usually don't. I definitely don't. Yeah. I definitely don't. Um, let me see. Kiba. Yeah, I, Kiba barrier. She, seem, she seems good. I don't know anything that, like, I haven't played her yet. I've only been playing comp, so I can't comment much, but she seems really cool. And I'm excited to actually be using her in comp. I'm sure when I play ranked, because I, I, I'm sure I'll play some ranked. When I play it, I will be probably trying to pick her and mess with her uh, if she's not banned. But yeah. I think that she's just, she's very innovative, right? There are times when operators come out and you think yes. like, holy shit, this operator completely changes everything. You know, obviously like Mira yes. was, Mira's like number one. Exactly. I, I mean, if Valkyrie had been released, if, if Valkyrie had been released now, I think we'd be saying the same about Valk. Um, yep. You know, you look at, you look at Maverick and you're like, holy fuck, like yep. you can blowtorch through walls. Yep. That's, insane you know so i i really like what she brings to the table my only criticism of her is i think the thing that spreads out like the concrete circle looks very low res that's it literally pretty that's it ain't pretty that's the only thing that i think of or is it's like mm, this looks kind of this is kind of clunky it doesn't look finished maybe, maybe long term we get we get some skins on it Oh yeah, I can't wait. You know what I'd love to get on it is you know like the the South Siege Monty that like the Monty picture that he has with like the tongue. If I, out. If I saw it, I, I want, would know. I, I want that. I, I on, can't on the concrete. It right now, but I'm sure I would know if I saw it. Yeah. Um. That that'd be great. Though. Yeah, give me give me skins on it. You know, like I want I want that. Uh. But no, I, I think that she she really does change things around, and I think it's I think it's a good way to kind of cut down on all the explosives that are currently in the game. I, I will also say that by and large, I am not a fan of operators that their gadgets necessitate explosives to get rid of them. The fewer bulletproof gadgets we have, I think the better for the game, because yeah. like you remember you remember when it was like banshees could only be like oh, yeah yeah it was Lucy so Nerf is great and she's still a great operator yeah I, I think it's funny that people just like stopped playing her without realizing that she's still very very good have, have like, people in so so in pro play her pick rate has gone down a little bit but I'm talking anecdotally from my own games I just, I just like I don't see her I don't see her in ranked and unranked anymore. I just people don't. Should, people should play her more. I think she's same with Wamai, by the way. Upper. I think Wamai should be played more too. I can understand Wamai a bit less in ranked, or, or a bit more in ranked, like not playing him. Well, I guess people just I pick Jaeger. Pick, yeah, people just pick someone already picked Jaeger. You know, not that often do you, are you doing maybe a shield bunker setup. You can, but like maybe they don't go that way. Whatever, yeah. whatever the case, right? Um, even even like with a shield with ADSs, like a lot of the time that'll already just be annoying depending on who you're going against. Um, but Malusi, like it's it's literally like free information, great gun, three speed, run around with it, you got your impacts. 
it's almost like honestly it's almost like legion who's like another op that's just great to play in ranked you know if you're not gonna rely if you can't rely on like your teammates information playing someone like malusi or legion it's great yeah great gun run around you know where people are you know where people aren't there's there's a couple operators that i think fill that role like they're the unsexy operators so to speak i think kaid is also in that boat I think like Wamai, Kaid, Malusi, I think Goyo was there as well prior to his rework, which is the last thing that I want to talk about before we move on. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think those those four operators were just on defense. Extremely valuable gadgets. But they are not. You like you kind of need your team to understand how to play them. I mean, Kaid is an operator where you can win around yourself just by using your electric claw, right? Like. I would argue that Malusi, if she plays selfishly with those Banshees and then, you know, Roams as well, I think that she can make a, a great impact as well on her own. But I feel like with operators like Castle, with operators like Goyo, you need your team to buy in. And I just think that Wamai is like, to many people, is still like a less sexy Jaeger. So exactly. like, we're just going to run a Jaeger instead because he's like, you know, he's one of the faces of Siege, even though we actually haven't ever seen his face. Um... And they're like, well, why would we, why would we run OMI when we have a Jaeger? We'll just run a Jaeger and just do other stuff. Well, it's like, okay, but, uh, last conversation is the Goyo rework. Have you had much experience? A little bit. I think I'm actually, I'm a fan. Um, I think it, it changes where like there's some setups you had with Goyo before that you can't run now, but that's just, that's how it goes. That's fine. Um, but there's some cool stuff you can do with them. I think there's some like bunkered setups where, he can be very, very strong, I think. It's not good on every site by any means, but there's some sites where I think it's very, very strong. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but there was somebody who did some just like basic testing on it. If you put it on the lower panel of a window, so you you, yes. you barricade a window, you right. put it on the lower panel of the window. I'm, I'm, this is not for you. This is for the chat. So I, well, I'm probably going to ruin this, so go ahead. What I was going to say is that if you put it on the lower portion of like a reinforce or a barricade on the window and then you break it, it actually goes outside on the other side of the window. You ruin mm -hmm. it then. Ruin it. Okay. So I thought, so what I thought about is if you put it on a barricade and if the, if people punch twice and then vault in mm. on a window, then it will go off like a frost mat. But if you sh if you just shoot open the barricade, then it just blows up. I didn't know that it goes through though. I saw a video of it going out the other side of the window. But now people That's in cool. chat are like, it doesn't do that. But I was reading, <laughs> I was I watched a video where somebody like put it there and then they broke like the reinforcement barricade. I always get these confused. They break the barricade and then it spreads outside. And you have no idea. Like, to be honest, I, I don't think it should spread outside, for the record. I think that's a cheesy strat, and I would I would go so far as to say that that's an unintended part of his design. But I I like it. I think it is I think it's it's a big change for him. Um I'm very curious to see how it plays out because Goyo has been an operator that People have not been able to like get a good read on him at the beginning. People said like, oh, you know, he's not going to be that strong. And then they saw that he had three shields on his own and they're like, holy fuck, this guy is so strong. Yes. But that did not translate like to anywhere else. 
yeah. know, like his, his pick rate in ranked was pathetic. His pick rate in casual and unranked was also pathetic. And his pick rate was only site specific in pro play. But the general consensus was he is a very good operator. The thing was, is that it was almost that his, it wasn't necessarily that his abilities was, was good because it, it wasn't the fire canister. It was just, he had shields. That was it. Hmm. So like you initially brought him because he brought three shields. Then you brought him because he brought two shields. But the fire was irrelevant. Like you wouldn't. Yeah. You never picked him to use the fire part of the shield ever. And now the emphasis is on that. And the fire is really strong. There's not always the best positions for it. Uh, you're not always going to get use out of it. But there's some sites where I do think you will. So I, I think he actually kind of plays out the same way where it's very strategy specific in pro play but the ones that he's good on i think he'll be very good he was designed as a smoke alternative in mind right like that's yeah. that's kind of what they wanted was with the rework with tachanka and then goyo as well their goal was to try and push smoke off of that role that he's been on where you know he's one of the top three most picked operators mm -hmm. and i I got to say, I, I mean, I think the Tachanka rework, if they changed Tachanka a little bit, I think you could see him compete against Smoke. But He's I, starting to a little bit in pro play. There's there's some sites where it's when, it, when it's like very, very much more scripted on the yeah. execute, he, he sees more play. It's still not that often, but yeah. he has he has a sites where he's very good. Where there's less flexibility, um, you know, and you can you can bank the Shamika Molotovs, you know, we see him on Villa. We see him on Oregon sometimes. I think we've seen Bank. him. Sorry. Banking cafe. Banking cafe. Bank I was going to say, I was going to say cafe as well. And I, I think the bigger issue with Tachanka was that he's vulnerable while he's got, you know, he has to like lean, pull out the, the Shamika, fire the Molotov yep. and then pull back where smoke just tosses it out and then he's good to go. And then he can just activate it whenever. Um, but I think having trade-offs is good. I don't think that Goyo is in that same position, you know, because people have said, well, what if Goyo could throw it and then have it detonate? And I'm like, at that point, no, what's the difference between him and Smoke? Yeah. Smoke is the most well-rounded of the three, right? I'd say. I think he's one of the like most well-rounded well operators in the game, by the way. Yes, he is. That, yeah. And that that's what makes him so good, right? Mm -hmm. Is you can use, like, you can throw the smokes, you can throw them quickly. They're good at what they do. And you can use them aggressively, you can use them passively. Right, like you can't really use like Tachanka fires aggressively because they're so slow and clunky. Can't yeah. use Goyo or Goyo fires that aggressively because they're pre-placed, right? Whereas like Smoke just has more options because of how smooth it is. Mm. But because Goyo Goyo's AOE is the biggest by far and lasts for twenty fucking seconds, right? Yeah. There is some payoff to it. There's some sites where you know that you're going to want to fire here at a certain point in the round, it's worth, it's worth having it. Yep. And, and Tachanka, it's the same thing. You know that there's a small area that somebody's going to want to plan in. Okay. We can fire this off. Yep. The one thing that I think people really struggle with as well as proper lineups. There was, yeah. there was a game on Villa where there was a, a plant going off. It wasn't a default plant on AVG behind Vault. I think it was by model. And yeah, I, behind the map table? Yeah, behind the map table, the little model table. And somebody was playing Tachanka. I think it was actually TSM who was playing Tachanka. And they shot out a bunch of Molotovs, and they just, they missed. Like, yeah. And the, the one issue we have is that 
you can't just like go into a map and no clip and just like have 500 ammo and just keep lining them up. Tachanka's one of the easiest ones to do it with. I'm look. He, ha he I'm has aware. so many shots. He has his fucking LMG that destroys everything in the map. Yeah. He's one of the easiest ones to test it with. I don't think there's much of an excuse with him. I think if you don't have the lineup, it's because maybe you panicked in the moment or you were too lazy and didn't find a fucking lineup. And that's the thing though. Too lazy and didn't find the lineup is is exactly correct, right? Like it's easy to find a lineup with nades when you've got Z pings and there's no like bounce that you have to worry about. You know, you're not playing snooker. You don't need to try to figure out what boards yeah. you're bouncing it off of, you know, to land it properly. Um, but I, I don't know. I'd like to see Tachanga's pick rate continue to go up. I really like operator diversity as a caster. It's really cool and way better for me to be able to dive into these lineups and talk about that and like nerd out about it. So when the meta is super stale, I get very bored. I get very sad. Yeah. I get very sad. I think Tachanko, I think he'll only rise. Like, I just think as teams experiment more and more, they'll find better sites for him. Yeah. Because when he is good, he is really fucking good. I agree. I think he's got two good weapons too, right? I, yeah. I, a lot of people sleep on the LMG because it has a lower rate of fire. Sure, whatever, but it's got... That thing hits hard. And it's got unparalleled destruction, so... Yes. Anyway, last topic. Oh, well, more for uh, Demon Veil. What more do you want to talk about? Deathmatch edition. You great. needed to talk about this. You've been tweeting about it so much. Yeah, it's great. It's great. I love it. I've wanted okay. it forever. I'm I'm better at shooting people now. It's great. You need that. It, yeah. I mean, there there has been no way to truly just focus on mechanics and get constant repetition. It might not be the greatest deathmatch playlist that I've ever played. Okay. I've definitely played some better ones on, on CS, but you respawn, you get to shoot people. I've enjoyed it. I good, actually good did not, me. I didn't think I was going to enjoy it that much. I played it the other day and I was hooked. I played it for like a couple hours. I was like, all right, I, I like this. Yeah. I really do like it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not perfect by any means. Uh, I don't think the maps are designed for it whatsoever because the maps aren't great for it. Um, some of the maps are just downright unenjoyable yeah. like yeah i definitely think there's ways it could be better but i do understand that they want a balance of like it feeling like a casual game mode not entirely like a mechanical warm-up game mode like they're trying to find a balance so yeah beggars can't be choosers i'm okay with it i'm just fucking glad that something exists for it because it's it was so like to actually practice engagements with a player in siege was fucking like it's impossible yeah it, it really is like you can't you can't queue up casual or rank to practice engagements like you get one every four minutes maybe like you know not that's an exaggeration right you're killing people you get you'll get some more but like it's definitely it, it's not very good in comparison right now now you can get fucking like 30 plus engagements in five minutes yep as opposed to 10 in 20 minutes. The one thing that I really like about it is it teaches you how to take multiple engagements at one time. Yeah. You know, like there, I, I played Villa. I think I played Villa for two of them. And I think I played theme for one of them. Villa stinks because everybody just impacts all the walls. And it's like, next thing you know, they're like giant fucking open rooms, which is fine. But there were times where it's like, I'd come up the stairs and I'd be looking at 90 and I'd take a fight on 90, then immediately have to pivot over to like, 
you know, aviator and then take another yep. fight right there. And that's just the kind of thing like T hunt doesn't teach you. No. And you only really get that knowledge by playing against real opponents. And TDM does that. And like you said, you get so many engagements like per minute. Whereas like in regular rainbow, it's like at best, you're going to get five engagements, you know, like in 10, 30 seconds, then you have to wait another like three minutes. So I don't know. I think it's really good. I've, I've been enjoying it a lot more. I honestly, I played, what was it? Sugar Rush, I think it was called. Yes. Hated it. Other, Absolutely hated it. I, I couldn't stand it. I hated the aesthetic. I hated the map. Uh, I did not like the way that it felt. It didn't feel good. It didn't feel like yeah. Rainbow. And then now I played TDM and I'm like, this feels good. Like this. Yeah. I'm enjoying this a lot more, way more than I thought I was going to. Apparently it's called sugar it's fright, addiction. which is a diabetic sugar is a fright, fright that I have every day. So, yeah. Yeah. And then sugar. Final, final change we got to mention. All one-time sites available. How nice is that? Great. How nice, is, how nice is that? I fucking love it. Incredible. Hollow, hollow be on everything for me. I know there's a lot of people that are a fan of Red Dot B, the Russian Red Dot. Mm-hmm. Hollow B, Hollow B, I can't get away from it. I love it. It's so nice. It's the so Russian nice Reflex is my favorite site in the game. Fair enough. Kind of weird, but it's okay. A little green. No, I know, I know. A little green line. So my thing is like I thought I liked the site, but then I realized that I actually just like those Russian guns. True. That's what I realized. I, I approached it, and I, I said this. I've said this on Twitter. I've talked about this on stream before. It never made sense to me where they're like, yeah, you get the regular hollow, but then you get the cyber truck hollow. Yes. Why? That is nonsensical. It's just fucked up. Yeah. Like let everybody have it and let it be preference. The problem is, is that I fear that we will get into a, a point where they are again, like min maxing the sites. Like, look yeah, at because everyone's going to be running, you know, hollow B, for example, maybe, or yeah. whatever it is. And then like, well, this gun's too strong now. Let's take that one away from it. I hope not. I think I you just not. need to, I, I think you just need to like try to balance the sites as they did with, what was it? It was the Russian reflex, wasn't it? The old Russian reflex was amazing because it was like super zoomed out. And all mm -hmm. you have is like the little curl casing and that's it. And yep. then they realized like so many people were running it because it was just objectively better. It covered like next to none of the screen. Mm -hmm. And they said, okay, shit, this, you know, why would you run one of the like bigger, chunkier, clunkier housings when this one is so clean? And everybody's been saying, oh, we need like, you know, the coyote red dot from battlefield. Cause it's just like, it's like a little, a little thing. It doesn't, my, doesn't cover on my battlefield. Yeah. Learn. But then they, then they turn around they're like, well, Optics are not supposed to be for balancing. Yeah. Then they're like, but well, we need to balance the Russian reflex. And you're like, curious. Well, I mean, you can't really say that because they, they've been, they've been taking the fucking magnification away. Yeah. Nonstop. And that is, I mean, I don't know if it's the right way to balance, but it's, I mean, it's been effective, I would say. Yeah. Because, People losing 1.5s on defense. That's a hit. Yep. The 1.5, that's a high value, high value attachment. I I understand that people enjoy it, but going back and like rewatching old clips, 
of people having like MP7s and ACOGs <laughs> or like Jaeger ACOG. And I just watch it and I'm like, this was so was broken. Absurd. Yeah, this is so yes. broken. Why why did we let this persist this long? Yes. People were spawn peeking across the map with bandit, just one tapping you with an MP7. Yeah. yeah. Now, or, if someone did that, you'd be like, holy shit, this guy's crazy. Yeah. Or you have like, oh, you just want to you just want to be dumb? Dock, punch the two lower portions of a barricade, overheal, run out. ACOG MP5. They're dead. And it's just like, okay, this was not fun. 1.5 MP5. Yep. There's nothing to laugh at. That's good. Yeah. I'm just saying the olden days. The olden days of when we used to have those ACOGs was insane. I know. They were absurd. Yeah, way too strong. Great yep. change. Great quality of life change. And it I is a, it is a direct buff to a number of guns as well. Adding yeah. a variety in the optics on a number of operators, on a number of guns, I feel is a direct buff. So I hope they don't I hope they don't fuck with it too much because I like it. I like it a lot. I like my variety. The, the I agree. what is the name of the site that um Kali uses and uh Clash it's uses? Like C. That thing is nasty as well. I know you don't like it. I don't care. I'm not a world champion. I just I just slum it in gold, it's man. It's hollow B. Hollow B for me. All right. But Russian Russian red dot, which is red dot B, I mm -hmm. believe. It's got some hidden superpowers. Hundred percent. It makes bad guns good. Okay. I believe you. I believe you. Yeah. Last it topic. Looks before... ugly though. I'm not a fan, but <laughs> last topic for Demon Vale. Want to move on? Uh yeah. We yeah. don't have a ton of time, so we're gonna have to run through NAL pretty quickly. We have like 15-ish minutes. I want us to hold as close to as possible this proper timeline. So, 15 minutes, NAL. Obviously, some huge changes. Let's start with the biggest one, XSets roster, because they are a brand new team. A disappointing performance previously. Your old compatriot did not have the greatest uh, greatest of luck. Mm -hmm. Now they have a new yeah. team. What do you think of it? I think it is a solid roster. Okay. I think Bodega is a client, but... I do think they, I think they'll be a solid team. I don't think they'll be, you know, like world beaters. I, I think they're, they're missing something for that, but I do think they'll be a solid team. I think they have some very talented players on the team and I, I think they'll figure things out to where they'll, they'll play well as a team and, you know, kind of figure out their chemistry and whatnot. But I do think they'll be a bit limited in terms of, uh, in terms of not having, you know, maybe like a, a, a main voice of the team, but mm -hmm. maybe, maybe they do because I don't know the players really well or anything, but maybe, maybe there's a hidden voice in that team that I don't know about. Maybe someone uh, steps up. Could be. I, I do think they're all very good players though. And I do think there's a lot of potential. What do you think of Budega? Someone's going to have to. What do you think of Budega? I already said, I think you... he's a clown. What do you think of Budega? He's a clown. You gotta expand. He's just ridiculous, man. There's there's not much to say. I mean, I will say he used to coach MIBR. I've always been a huge fan of how MIBR plays. I think they're a great team. I still think they're a great team. I have no. You never know how much or how little a coach does when they're involved. 
I take it that he probably did a decent amount, though, because they were a good team, and he was with them for quite a while, I would take. So, and, uh, I mean, I think I've I've scrimmed Exit a couple times, and they've noticeably improved in the two times I've scrimmed them. Okay. Even, so I think maybe he has some effect. Maybe that's players. I don't know. Scrim um, days are not match days. Yeah, that's also true. So, who knows? But... I do think uh, Budega is a bit ridiculous on Twitter sometimes. Um, but I'm sure he is playing into it as well. So who the fuck knows? But I don't know. I like I like enjoying uh, enjoying some of the laughs that come from his antics. Yeah, I like what he brings. Twitter is oftentimes very boring. Um, it's the same kind of deal with like Super. I like what Super yeah. brings to Twitter an awful lot. Um, I miss easily because I thought he brought some good stuff as well. Um, but I I think that we need a true villain-esque team because the Sonics were like the villain team in North America, right? But now that they're like winners and people have kind of embraced them and started liking Grixer and started liking Kanzan and Rexon and Yeti and even Super is starting to win people over, like... The thing is, is no one, none of the players on Exit are villains. It's just Bodega. I know. Oh, I know. But yeah. How can you, I'm, how can I'm you look at, how can you look at sweet baby Kino and call I him know. a villain? That guy is just like, he's like a, a human plushie, just the nicest man. That dude's not a villain. No. No. Um, next roster that seen that saw a lot of upheaval was Beast Coast. Your favorite boy, Yardy, is on it. I mean Slash is on it. I like Slash. I like Slash a lot. Um I don't know. I think Don't Yardy's hold your moron. tongue. I think Yardy's a moron. Not Yardy, I'm talking about Beast Coast. I don't care what you think of Yardy. What do you think well, about yeah, Beast Coast? Yeah, but they picked up Yardy and Yardy is very outspoken and will probably be a major voice in that team and Yardy is a fucking moron. So you're really yeah. not holding back on this one. I mean, it's no secret that I think he's a fun moron. I've 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 expressed it on Twitter sometimes. I think one time he was talking about like I don't know, some some team was playing like idiots or something. He's like, This is proof that playing like idiots is the next meta, like basically. He didn't exactly say that, but he's like, This is proof that there's an unexplored playstyle and then obviously uh, he explored that play style and has been consistently fucking removed from pro league. Like, I don't know, man. He was not statistically the problem on X set though. He was not. I still think he's a moron. And I do think he's, like I said, very outspoken. And when you have somebody like that, just constantly feeding their energy to a team and, maybe pushing the way the team wants to play. I don't know. I think it's a, a recipe for disaster. They picked up Rams as an analyst slash coach slash is an older voice of leadership on the team. You don't think that it's entirely possible that they restrain him. Maybe. I don't know. That was a maybe, but it sure sounded a lot, a lot to... like no. I, I don't. I Maybe they'll try. I don't know. I mean, I just what's the reason I'm picking him up anyways? Like, even, like, 
I don't, I don't understand. So I, I couldn't really tell you. Like, I feel like people almost see him as like his value is that he somewhat helps lead a team. But like, does he? He is very popular on Twitter and on the subreddit. The subreddit is going to be very well, unhappy with you for saying such mean and awful things they, to their they, great friend Yardy. They, they, lo- they like personality. They like personality. And he, he does have personality. Don't get me wrong. Yardy's fucking hilarious. Constantly, the guy makes me laugh. Do I think he's good at Siege? No. Do I think he's fucking smart at Siege? No. Do I think he's a good pickup for a team? No. Is he funny? Yeah. So I can see why people are fans of him. You don't have to be good at the game to have people like you. I'm funny. You just have to, you just, you just have to be funny. Yeah, I'm, and you suck. But what if I got but picked people, up? And that's why people like you. What if Beast Coast picked me up? Would you say, say, would you say the same thing to me? That's a terrible decision. That's a terrible decision. Obviously, Yardy is going to be the big focal point for you on this team, but I need you to step off of that Yardy train for a okay, second and okay. talk about, talk about no, the rest no, no. of the team. So I'll, I'll, t- I'll touch more. I do think I think Slash is a good player. Um, I'm happy to see him back in Pro League. Sweater. I think I think Anthony has I'm I'm gonna get to him. I think Anthony has some potential, but I do think people focus too much on him doing good on the old Beast Coast roster. I will say he was baiting the rest of those guys, but I do think he has some potential as a player. Someone's gotta bait though. Someone does have to bait. That's how it goes. Anyways, sweater I think has insane potential mechanically. I also think Sweater is a fucking moron. And he is young and is going to be influenced by fucking chief moron Yardy. And I don't think that's a good idea. Like, you bring in, like, a, a kid with, like, as much potential as Sweater, and you're like, here, let Yardy show you the path. Let's have Yardy tell you how to play. That's not a fucking good idea. I'm sorry, but, like... If I had to pick one player, no, like you just, yeah. <laughs> I do, I, and for the record, I think Sweater has a lot of potential. That kid is mechanically gifted. But if you've seen how that, like, you, you know him, you know how he acts. Yeah, Sweater is a moron. Are, are, around people that are not going to fucking correct him and put him on the right path. It's not going to be good. And Yardy is not going to do that. Yardy's not going to be like correcting Sweater and making sure Sweater's disciplined and on point. He's going to be like, yeah, Sweater, go peek this moron. <laughs> go fry this idiot. Anyways. What about Surf? Surf is the one that gets talked about the least. Surf, the biggest question mark on the team. From, from playing against him, I also think he has potential. I don't know anything about him personally. Same as Anthony. Like, I don't know them personality-wise. I know Slash personality-wise. I know Sweater a bit. I know Yardy a bit. Personality-wise, I do not know Surf or Anthony whatsoever. I do think both have potential as players, though. I've played against them. They seem pretty decent as players. So the team does have potential, but... Is, is Slash going to completely take over the team and not let Yardy influence them? I don't know. I just don't see Yardy having a positive influence on the team long-term. Okay. Mirage. Interesting circumstances there. Lost basically their whole team. Who's left? Benji's left. Tommy's left. They've got Marm. We love Marm. 
Marm? Uh, they picked razor? up Melted and they picked up Razor. Yes. Is this, a, rele mean, is this a relegation squad? Might be. I mean, they might make more changes down the road. I don't know. Right. You got uh, you got three stages before you get relegated, so. But, hey, I mean, I two stages, I mean, three stages. What is it? Be, uh, I don't the know. End of the end of the third stage. So three stages, I guess. I guess Beast Coast might have more talent, but I do think that Mirage does push more for the teamwork. I think uh, they're just. I know Christian is a solid coach. I know Tommy will push for it. I, I think they might play a bit more cohesive. So they might be able to be out Beast Coast in that sense, but it's hard to say. Um, they have a more, maybe a more well-rounded roster in terms of support, but it's, it's very hard to predict. I think them and Beast Coast obviously look like the weakest rosters, but both both are hard to predict kind of how how that would pan out and like i said there's more time for more changes to happen and i would not be surprised if more changes happen because that's how that's how nal goes well there was uh, you talked to marm on the pengu podcast last week yes um but from her own comments the team is not at a lot of time to gel and it it honestly seems like they caught they got caught flat-footed with Dream leaving the roster and had to mm -hmm. scramble to make changes. And honestly, like, that is... They could have done worse for how quickly they were able to yeah. put that team together. I will say that much. You know, they, they definitely could have done worse. Um, But I... They're, my issue with them is that they are... A, I will agree with you. They are a more well-rounded roster... But who's your who's your lead entry? Who's your main fragger? Like Benji has proven to be quite Benji inconsistent. Razor. Right, but Razor didn't. Razor was on a bad team. But is Razor the guy? Look at all of the entries on every single team in the NAL. Where does Razor stack up there? Right, and with I mean with Benji's inconsistencies, I worry. Yeah, I mean you compare it to the same as like a team like Beast Coast, though. Yeah. I think it's just there. There's potential. Yeah. Who's who's to say? But no, he's definitely not like world class entry in front lines on the team. But I mean, there, there's going to be teams that don't have that. That's yeah. just that's how it goes. There's only so many to go around, and I mean, it might be entries now. But there was a, a period of time where we were talking about that with supports, right? Like there was like a region would have like two or three good supports, and the rest would just be mostly bad. So, you, yep. you know, you'd turn around and you'd say, okay, well, you know, we need to support, like, Goga. We need to support, like, BC. And it's like, okay, well, you can go to the support field and just pick them off the trees. Like, they're not exactly. fruit. Like, you don't just go and just grab a bundle of them and come home, you know? Like, yep. so, I, I'm, I'm interested about that Mirage roster. I, I will say that in terms of like power rankings right now, knowing what we know, unless they make some big changes, I don't have the best outlook on the team. Um, yeah. But again, circumstances dictate who you can and can't pick up. And if the rumors are true that they were expecting to keep Dream and pick up Nurs, then, yeah. you know, you, you get caught out and then you got hours to make a change. That's it. Exactly. So, that's just unfortunate situation. Yeah. I think 
in hindsight, I do think it, it might have been valuable to still have a player like Knicks just for like the leadership factor. Say what you will about Knicks, but okay. he does make his teams a more cohesive unit. He does. He doesn't make them world-beating teams by any means, but his teams do play more together and more coordinated than without him. Knicks was the one that was kicked off by the org, right? And it was not loading. It was kicked off by the team. Am I getting that backwards? I think one of them, I one of the two was, was basically told by the org, we don't want you back. And the other one was basically told by the team. We don't, we're going to look elsewhere. I think Nick's was the one that the org said, we don't want to continue on. And loading was the one who was moved by his teammates. I'm not sure. I need to check, but I can't remember, man. This has been an actually crazy off season in terms of moves. Um, There's been a ton. Yeah. Uh, Parabellum. Let's talk about them. They picked up Blaz. That was kind of a surprise. Yeah. I mean, Lost Spirits. Womp womp. Yes. Definitely tough to lose Spirits. I think he's, he's a really, really good player. Mm. Um, I do think Blaz has the potential to live up to that, though, because he had been showing so much potential in EU. Had never been on, you know, the best team. Um, I do think Parabellum, they always stood out to me out of the CL teams because they had a more unique play style and they played well together as a team. So I, I do still think there's potential for that. I think more than anything, it's going to come down to the chemistry. Also, obviously, it's a weird situation with they got creators and Wimpy in the meantime and then Blaz in for the next season who's supposed to replace Wimpy then, but I know we mentioned it on the, the Pengu podcast was like, well, what if, what if things change? What if maybe we want to keep Wimpy, right? Yeah. And teams, teams have I done do, that, by the I way. Teams have picked have up like though. a scab and then turn around and they're like, wow, this person's actually playing quite well. Let's maybe hang on to them a little bit. And then you have to look elsewhere, right? And yep. I don't think Blaz doesn't make that team. But if, yeah. but if Wimpy is not the weak link, then what do you do? Right. And it's, it's, exactly. it's funny because Wimpy was a big name. I want to say like a year or two ago, a lot of people were talking about Wimpy in CL, how like Wimpy the kid, he's like the next big thing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, really? he just kind of, it just kind of disappeared. He's been solid near the top of CL. I think he's gotten quite a few tryouts. Um, and I think maybe it just didn't click or like maybe a slightly better option, but I think he's always been kind of in contention for a spot um, and just like narrowly missing out. So, yeah. Hey, maybe this is his time to prove it. Um, but yeah, I, I've always thought he was pretty, pretty decent player. So, yeah. Okay. Last thing you want to talk think, about. I think PB has potential. Potential. I've always thought, yeah, I've always thought yeah. they played well as a team and that they have a unique style, which is something that is unusual for a team coming into pro league usually Eska's a very good player too i i yes. i i rate Eska very high yep. um last team because the like the main five haven't really made any changes other than oxg i guess we can talk about oxg really really quickly but i want to get through these kind of fast um obviously astralis only made one change they picked mm -hmm. up call out as a coach which i think is great mm -hmm. i think call out is a great mind for the game uh is forest replacing retro the move so it might be. I don't know. It's hard to say. 
One of the issues that I've always seen that team has had is they don't have a true entry. Um, And I will say, I don't think Forrest is necessarily the best entry, but I will say Forrest, I think, will not give a fuck and will run in, but he just might die a lot more than some of the best entries. Um, I also think Forrest is, uh, he brings good vibes, so I do think the vibes on that team will be uh, pretty solid. And like, like you mentioned, Call it, I think, was a great pickup for Coach. I agree. Because I, I think he, he's someone suited for the role. Um, not to say that I think, you know, he, he has plenty to prove. I don't think he's going to be a world-class coach by any means right away. But I do think, I think he's deserved to be at the pro level. And I think Coach is probably the best role for him at it. At the I moment. agree. I agree. Super actually said something very interesting on that old United squad. Uh, he said that he didn't think that Callout was actually the worst player on the team. He thought that Forrest was. Forrest did not perform well in that that season they had. I like Forrest, and I'm actually hoping he does better because, like, he he had a a very bad yeah uh, season. I can't but, remember what we were watching, uh, but he was he just like he was like blatantly trolling some match. I can't remember what it was. He was like it, running like it was against us. Was it? He was like running like Cav and shit. And, Cav. Yeah. Yes. And it's like okay. I think it was on coastline, and he started picking Cav because I think we were running Jackal. Mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know. I don't. I don't remember exactly what he even did, but I remember one round. I literally thought he was AFK. <laughs> He was like just sitting in the middle of like the fish to pool or the aqua to pool door. Mm-hmm. And I was at big window and I was like, I saw this guy on my drone. I was like, I think he's lagging out. And then I opened the window behind him and he sat there and he moved a little bit. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, what is this guy doing? And I just killed him. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. Um, OXG actually, I think is the, let's, let's round this out. It's the top, the main four. Well, main five, I guess, if you want to call them that. Um, Mm-hmm. OXG, upgrade or downgrade? Um, I don't, I'm, it's tough to say. It might, it might actually be an upgrade because Dream is a true support player, I'd say, more so. He's more lined up with the role. So maybe Dream enables the team a bit more. But, I f- and, and maybe the vibes. Dream, Dream brings the vibes. He brings vibes. Number 69. Um, and nice yep. in chat. Nice. Um, he he might be, you know, he might be a, a real difference maker there. I think Newers is like almost like a slot in for Yaga. Mm-hmm. Like young new player, he can shoot. Like keeping it simple. I don't know. I don't. I don't think there's like much that probably separates him from Yaga or vice versa. Um, so I I don't think there's too much of a change there. I think it it'll really be down to. If Dream becoming being like a support player that they needed enables the team more, I think that can be the difference maker. But I also think they might just end up being the same kind of team. It's hard to say. They're they're so unpredictable to me because I mean I feel like they live and die off of Fox A and Laxing. They're just such big personalities. They play around their style. Laxing yeah. in particular, you know, plays like almost anybody else in the league. And that can be hard to adjust to. Um, but I, I just, I've never really had a good read on OXG. They seem like the least predictable of like the main teams in North America. Yeah. To me, they, it's always been like they've had different iterations of rosters, but it's always felt like they've played the same. Yeah. Um, 
and they usually perform around the same. It's like they're consistently right? they, top. They usually, but... they're like, for the most part, consistently in the top four, sometimes yeah. sliding out of it. Right? Like, usually they'll slide out of it for one stage, but other than that, they're usually in the top four. And then when they when they do go to an event, it's like they have some pretty good runs and some not so good runs. And then that's it. I don't know. Like, it's it's hard to say. Like, it just seems like the same kind of inconsistency. Yeah. I mean, the OXG guys have been saying that in scrims, they're doing significantly better. But you don't, like, are you huffing copium? Honeymoon phase? It'd be, maybe. yeah. You know, like, maybe you start off with a new roster, and you're like, holy shit, this is great. And then two months later, you're like, so. Yeah. Uh, last it's team it's I, hard to read that. Last team I want to talk about before we go. They're in Europe. G2, uh, baby. Of course. Um, like I think Prano, I, I said, Doki, Ali Mao. I said on uh, the Pengu podcast the other week, I think it's the most potential that roster has had since the Penta G2 core. Mm -hmm. I think it's the most promising a roster has looked for them, the most well-rounded. I do still think there might be like, there might be like some missing pieces or like too much of one kind of thing. Um, because, you know, like players like Citizen, Alamau, and even Virtue, I feel like their play styles clash a bit. Even Doki could get tossed in there. I do think Prono is probably a great pickup because he'll IGL and he'll also play the hard support roles. And like, yeah, he'll, he's good he'll at be it. locked into that. Yeah, and he's good at he's it. He's very so good at it. I, I do think that's great for them. I do think Alamau will be able to play the flex role. It's just he might need to play it a bit different than he has on Team 1, for example, because you have a player like Citizen. Doki is right? first entry, Citizen is second entry, Ali Mao is flex, Vert is flex support, and Prano support. That's what I saw them post about yep. in their roles online. Yep. So, I don't know. We'll see. I do think it's the most promising their roster has looked in a, in a long while, though. I agree with you on that. I really, really do. Um... I mean, you've you've picked up. I, I hate to say this for the Navi guys, but you picked up the only bright spot for your entire Navi team for the last like four months, which is Doki. Big saves fan. I don't know. I like saves too, man. But I mean, he he was not. I don't think he felt at ease at that team. And I mean, they they ditched him. Yeah, I don't know. I'm yeah. not sure what the case, but I I, was, I mean, I was always a big saves fan. Navi has had a, a history of really perplexing roster moves. You know, like, I mean, you let Citizen go, but to be fair, like, G2 came calling and had probably a lot of money for him. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, orgs are going to say, like, yeah, go, double take the money. Yep. Getting rid of Nello. That one was... That was a head-scratcher. Yeah, that that was a tough one for me because I actually thought Nello did a lot for that team. I, I thought Nello, and player. I mean, look I at what he did for Eminem. Player. And yeah. he, is, he is, like, the heart and soul of Eminem. Yeah. You know, and those, you talk to any of the players on the team and they... They extol the virtues of, of Nello on the squad. Um, and then obviously, like, Kendrew was, as far as I'm aware, Kendrew was, like, attitude issues. But again, like, Kendrew was a superstar for that team and was such an integral, like, component of Na'Vi. And then it's like, so you get rid of Nello. You've already lost Citizen. You then get rid of Kendrew. You pick up this new squad. Okay, fine. You get rid of saves. 
and then you swap Doki for Kayak. And it's just like, I look at all these history of moves for Na'Vi and I'm like, what? Like, it, I don't understand, like, why they keep yeah. making these moves. I, I really don't get it. Obviously, it, that consistent upheaval on the team isn't good for consistency. But I I don't know. I just, Na'Vi, I'm puzzled. I'm puzzled because they, they act like a team that is okay being like middle of the pack as long as they make money like selling players. And they're better than that, so I don't get why they keep doing that anyway. I think the problem with G2 is egos. I think that's been a big problem with the org forever, but I mean, I think every single G2 team that exists is basically just the Avengers of egos in every esport. Uh, they True. love they love their big personalities. They love content. Yep. And you know what? That's That's fine. I think as long as you can keep the egos in check, that's okay. I, I think there will be some issues with Virtue on that role. Virtue has slowly grown into the role of like flex support, but can he make the full transition to help Prana while letting the rest of the team function the way that they're used to functioning? I don't know. Yeah. So. It, it, it's hard to call, but I do, th again, I do think it has a lot of potential. Yeah. I think, but yeah, it, it can just be like some of the play styles clashing, egos clashing, stuff like that. Uh, it's, those rosters are hard to call. I do think they'll be they they will be good though. They will compete. It's more of a question of like you know when times get tough, how will how will they handle it, right? Because times will always get tough. Every every team goes through some shit. I, As I, goes. I said this on stream. I always enjoyed being near G two over the last like year when they've lost matches or lost maps because they just shit talk each other so hard like. I'll be, I was standing in the hallway at Mexico and the team, I can't remember what team it was that they lost to. They're literally standing out and one of the, they're standing in the hallway and one of the players was like, this fucking dog shit. You all played like fucking dog shit. Why am I surrounded by dog shit teammates? We have to be better, blah, blah. And just like two of the like G2 players were really just like standing there like heads down. Like, Jesus Christ. And I was just standing there. Just, fucking embarrassing performance. Like, okay. Obian was the same way, to be fair, but to a lesser extent, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, I do think uh, Fabian more so was. I think more than anything for him, it was about that he had him and Pengu had a vision for the game. Not necessarily. I I don't necessarily think it was that he yelled at them and that made them yeah. good. I don't think that was what made them good. I, I think mean, it was that. They were all very good at their roles and that him and Pengu, you know, kind of had this vision for how they played the game and it suited the kind of players that they had so well. Yes. I think that that team had a lot, like that team had a lot of egos too. Um, But I, I agree with you. Like they, the players played their roles really, really well. And as much as they had egos, they would sacrifice that for the game. Like yes. Fabian and Pengu would do basically anything as long as they had like Kanto and Jonas killing things and Gogo would Gogo would just run in and die if he needed to, if they asked him to like that whole team played really selflessly despite having a really huge amount of egos on it. And I mean, there's a, there seems to be a growing mentality across all of rainbow six that players aren't really like that anymore. I, I don't know what it is, man. There seems to be like this growing movement of players who like play for themselves. And then when things go sideways, they're like, Look at it. Well, I did pick me up. I don't know. Am I wrong? Yeah. I mean, 
I feel like that's natural in any game for that to happen. That's just pe- people people want the the spotlight. Some people want the spotlight more than they want to win. True. It's it's was it like Skies they or like might, Super. They might not realize that. They I might think not realize that. But. Super Super said that he's like it doesn't matter how well your team does. All that matters is that you got your kills and you post about it. Exactly. Some some people don't really want to win, man. And if Super says it. Wow. You know what it's true. You know it's true. Plug. I, I mean, I agree with you, and I think being flexible and playing for the team is obviously the best way to do it, but it's yep. uh, it's it's funny now, like, and I mean, you probably experience this a ton. We'll end on this note. Is, like, go back and look at the people who were pros like, first three years of Rainbow, and now look at the next three years and look at who are pros. And I think there's a very marked departure from like mindset and mentality. Like, I think that the new pros tend to be younger, tend to be cockier, tend to be flashier. Yet somehow we don't seem to have more personalities in the scene than we did before, which is a bit of a surprise. And then you go back and you look at like a lot of the pros in like, the first three years and it was a lot of people who just like almost seemed like reluctant gamers yeah like people who are just like yeah i'm good at the game and that's it but other than that like i'm just a, i'm just a dude and now it's like fuck yeah i'm an esports cyber pro i guess you disagree i, I definitely i mean the the younger part i don't know about the fuck yeah i'm an esports cyber pro bit but i think that's how they i think that's how they handle themselves I suppose so. Maybe I'm just getting older. Maybe. Maybe I get older and I just see like the things that like the 18, 19 year old like T2 and T1 scene tweet about and just think like, oh, fuck, I'm old, man. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I feel that every day. I got Rob (laughs) beside me. You mean, Rob, I only bring shorts to Stockholm in the winter? He only wears shorts. Is he the guy who, no matter what the temperature is, would walk to school in shorts every day? He only owns shorts. He doesn't own any pants. And and we he bought we bought his first pair of pants that was here before the Sweden major, because we we're like Rob, we are going to Sweden. You need a pair of pants. And that is when Rob purchased his first pair of pants that he owns in Vegas, at least. That's Rob. Jesus Christ. That's Rob, man. He's one of those guys. Pambazoo. Nasty on Twitch. Absolute sickening. Sickening statement. My pants. He yeah, didn't he didn't them. even wear them. He yeah. didn't wear them. He didn't even wear them. No. Seems like a great kid, by the way. Just buy a pair Rob's of pants. Great. Nasty. Was he uh was he robbed for rookie of the year? I don't think so. He doesn't even think so. I think I think he was a competitor for the title, but it'd be it'd be silly to say like fantasy doesn't deserve the award. I think if Rob won the award, I'd say Rob deserved it too. But like, that's how that shit goes. That shit can go either way. I I think there also is like a regional think, calculus that Siege GG has to take into account. Like if yeah. if Siege GG think, like if APAC or like Latam had like a bad year. And no LATAM players got awards. I think there would be like a riot. True. 
but fantasy i'm pretty sure he statistically outperformed rob and also and this is nuts did per, their team did perform better over the course of the year are you upset that you didn't win rookie of the year yes it was a big year for because you because i should i should win it every year yeah you were it is incredible getting to watch you like relearn how to play the game relearn yeah like a rookie you're like relearning oh you like reset yeah. every year back to like rookie nadian yeah. Yeah, I'm fresh. I don't know anything yet. Yeah. Baby Rob Boy Nadian. There you go. Baby Boy Nadian. There's your next name. Not Big Bad yeah. Nadian. Baby Boy. Baby Boy Nadian. And Rob you. tells me where to go. There you go. Wear shorts. Just yeah. <laughs> show up my shorts and t-shirt every day. I actually don't ever think I've seen you in shorts. I wear them sometimes. I'm a pants guy. It's gotta be hot. Yeah. It has to be hot. We live in the Great White yeah. North. Cold. Yeah. All right. Anything more to say before we go? It's 420. Haha. <laughs> uh, ha. I believe Amazing. not, though. No? Got, got nothing else? Happy to be back. It was good. Two hours? I think two hours is a sweet spot. It really is. It honestly, it honestly really is. Yeah. Our, uh, our Fortnite podcast. No. It's every it's Fortnite. It's not about Fortnite. Every Fortnite our podcast every fortnight for two hours uh barring barring uh global tragedy we will be back april 2nd which is next saturday same time 11 a.m you can't even joke about that like that shit i meant like the plan that could like, be in the cards i i know it's like we can't like joke about that because there's obviously like actual like human stuff going on i meant as in like if the earth got hit like a with a meteor that also could be in the cards. I hope not. I would like to not get hit by a meteor. We need another episode. Because otherwise, <clears throat> this whole every fortnight thing wouldn't be a thing if we don't get our next episode in. Could you imagine if we bring it back, episode 26, we come back and we're like, yeah, we're going to do it again. Then we just never did a show again. That'd be fucked up. It'd be hilarious. We're not going to do that. We're not. We'll be back. We'll be back next Saturday. Same time as always, 11 a.m. if you live not on next the... Saturday. Sorry, two Not Saturdays from now. Saturday. In a fortnight. In a fortnight. We'll be back in a fortnight. Um, same time, if you live on the west coast of the US of A or Canada, it is 11 a.m. Pacific. It's 2 p.m. if you live on the east coast. If you're all the way over in Europe, I completely forgot about time zones, by the way. I actually have no idea. Is it five or six hours that they're ahead right now? Is it 9.22 or is it 10.22 in Central well, European time? Central European should be six. It's five right now because we just did daylight savings. Oh. Yeah. When do, so it's, so when it's, do they do it? Because then doesn't it switch? They go back to six. I think their daylight savings time is in like a week or two. Okay. Yeah. Daylight savings time is stupid, by the way, and we should get rid of it. Ridiculous. Oh. So, or it says they they said their clock switched last weekend. I don't know. I don't know what time it is. Who knows? Who knows? We'll be back at the same time. What time did you watch this? That's when we'll be back. Yeah. Solved. When you tuned in. Uh, all the Unless shows... you get hit with daylight savings. Unless you get hit by daylight savings or a meteor. Because we don't know. Things happen. Um, everything will be uploaded to the podcast, Spotify, Apple, and on YouTube within 24 hours or so. The goal is to have it up for Monday morning. So if you have to go on your Monday morning commute or anything like that, well, guess what? 
you've got us for two hours. That's some nice company. If you want to subscribe, obviously on Spotify or Apple, if you're watching live right now, please do so on YouTube. Just type in six on six podcast. If you are watching this back on YouTube, like, and subscribe, post something down below. What's a comment. What's your favorite part of Demon Vale? Let's see how many of you make it to the very end. What is your favorite addition to Demon Vale? Uh, we're going to try to have the X-Empire boys on next, next week in a fortnight when we return on April 2nd. Until then, thank you so much for watching. It's nice to be back. We'll see you again in two weeks. See yeah. ya.